what was your deepest, darkest secret? On that day, I learned my dad's secret. My daddy was part of an anime podcast. This podcast contained language that wasn't suitable for youngest audience. Fewer for question was highly revised. There are also spoilers for everything being discussed. Everyone listening had to be on their guard. And of course, the penises expressed for those of the individual and didn't reflect this podcast as a whole. Hey, Ruby, have you cleaned up your room yet? I haven't. Good evening, everybody. Today's meeting is extremely important. We got a big project, a very tight deadline approaching, and only a few hours left to turn it in before it's due. You two have been assisting me through thick and thin, but I promise you, if this goes well, you can properly debut and fly off on your own. Become the true mangaka you are always destined to be. With TV deals, and merchandise, and adoring fat otaku. Now, Yay. Now, my fellow ink friend, Amon, and my fellow cleanup editor, Noah. Please introduce yourselves and make yourselves heard for the world to hear you. I feel like this could have been an email. What's an email? My parents told me to go to business school. I should have listened what? to them. What's this email? Do you not do these things by hand? What century are you from? Look, I remember when MySpace was getting big, and I was thinking to myself, I like MySpace, I like other people out of MySpace. Are you even old enough to know what MySpace is? Never mind that! We only got so much time to do this. We only got so much time to do this before we completely miss turning this one in for Father's Day! And you know what, boys? You know what's a good show to talk about on Father's Day? That's right. Kakushi Goto! Wait, 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 no, no, hold on, I'm sorry, I, no, no, you told me that we were finally gonna talk about Bunny Drop. I was specifically told in the CC email- No, 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 that never got dubbed. Oh! We can't talk, we can't talk, we can talk about it on a different <laughs> podcast that just covers, like, anime in general or something. We why can't talk about you, here. why must no you dub. ruin my dreams, people? See, here's the thing. On the one hand, that would be an admirable task. On the other hand, even if it did get dubbed, would you really want it? Certainly, the anime only covers the nice part of the manga. It only covers the only part of the story that exists. This is true, yes, this is true. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, I got you both together. And today, we are going to be discussing Kakushi Goto. Uh, Kakushi Goto is the series from Spring 2020 that is based off of the manga by the critically acclaimed Koji Kumeta, which you have either heard of him or you haven't. But if you haven't, you might be more familiar with a little series called Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei. Next stretchings. AKA that, that show by Studio Chef that never ever got brought over to America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember when I got you guys both on this, you were like, Andrew, you sincerely forgot to sell the show to me. You could have just no, that, said that. that no, would... that was me specifically. Yeah. 
No, you, you, you pitched this pretty hard as, uh, like, I know you, why you wanted me on this. You wanted me on this because you wanted a, an actual father in the call itself. But yeah, if you I, had if you had tossed in a oh by the way he made this little indie manga that you may have heard of before that uh, basically it was like one of the best things that Shaft ever did. I admit I, my relationship with uh, Zetsubo Sensei is kind of non-existent, so I wasn't sure how much of a selling point that was for certain people. I know it very much was for you two. <laughs> it is now, which which makes what? which makes uh, watching a show about a mangaka. Who makes uh, Bay Bite the guy who was the mangaka for that show? Very interesting. Mm. Very interesting from a meta sense. But what is this show about? I'm glad you asked. Kakushi Goto, or Kakushi Goto, my dad's secret ambition if you're Kodansha Comics. Uh, here is a synopsis Single father, Kakushi Goto, has a secret. He's a top-selling artist of popular of a popular erotic manga series, but his impressionable young daughter, Hime, can never find out. Now, he has to bend over backwards just to keep her inquisitive little mind from discovering what he does for a living. A father-daughter tale about love and laughter. That is a very vague synopsis, but this is basically... The way to pitch this is that it is 75 to 80% absurdist, sla like almost slapstick tier comedy, and 20% mystery? That, yeah, that, those end cap, those bookends at the beginning and the end of the episode really keep you wondering because it's, it doesn't match the tone of the rest. Because, like you were saying, it's slapstick slash commentary on the manga industry because they, they clearly threw in a lot of thoughts about like the good and the bad parts about the manga industry and then you slam that up against where's what's going on in the future why are we missing our main character why is everything like sad? what's going on why why is everything all the colors washed out what's going on like there's definitely some stuff going on and it is kind of interesting on the the first watch and then the pieces do start to sort of come together but we will get more into that in a bit I think this was a show, like, I was particularly charmed by when I started watching it. And then once it started to get dubbed, I was like, okay, not only is this pretty cool, this is really, really charming, really funny, and also a really impressive product in and of itself. I think I would like to talk about the craft that went behind uh, this particular dub, Absolutely. if you gentlemen would like to join me. Sure. With, uh, with, uh, now, now, son, son, are you winning yet, son? <laughs> yes, Dad. Oh, you are the youngest person on this episode, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I'm the youngest person on this, and I grabbed two the two dad energy guys on here. Dad energy. <laughs> let, let, let me try to let me try to sync up mine and Amon's dad energy here a little bit. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, you watched the game last night? Mm, mm, yeah. yeah. That was embarrassing. That was you see you see that play in the sixth? Oof. Just that's d disappointing. Oh, so, that's not how you want to get in the record books. Wanna... Daddy, other daddy, I got a drawing. No, yeah, uh -huh. How's it look? That's great, that's great, son. All right. Uh, so I was no, thinking that's, about that's a good one. I'll put that. Uh, give me when I get up. I'll put that in the fridge for you. As it sound. That sounds good. So uh, I was thinking about investing in utility bonds. How about you? I don't do a lot of investments anymore. They're just kind of. 
I don't know, my heart's not in it, it's too complicated, there's all this Bitcoin nonsense people trying to push on me, I ain't got the patience for it. Kids oh my days, god, you, a, you actually oh, are doing a really good, you are actually getting scarily into dad characters And these kids with their, their navel piercings and their glow-in-the-dark tattoos, it's just, just not like the good old days. Oh my god, okay. I know, man, we were a kid, we got one Steely Dan album, four episodes of Columbo every single goddamn year. <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> okay. See, see, now you're not even dead anymore. Now you're just Amon Duel to a T. I was born. I was born a middle-aged man. I can't help it. He was oh, born with God. that. And I love you for it too. Anyways, <laughs> Dad One and Dad Two. Let's talk about who is also at the helm of this show. Yes. Which which Our... dad did we get to be the director and scriptwriters for this very dad-centric show? Uh, we got. A couple of lady mobs, actually. We are talking about our ADR director, one Jade Saxton, and our ADR writer slash script writer, Kristen McGuire. If you have heard of both of their work before, the, these two have actually collaborated. Actually, you know what? Since we're going with the theme of, of like, basically, like, master student and all that, as well as manga author and editor, I figured I would look at two pro a bunch of projects that these two worked on together exclusively. Mm -hmm. uh, both Jade and Kristen have directed and written for shows such as The Helpful Fox Senko-san, Magical Girl Raising Project, Nekopara, High School DxD Hero, and Interviews with Monster Girls. Some of those series things. make sense in the context of this. Some of them do not. Yeah, that 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 second to last one there doesn't match the doesn't match the theme of the rest. I, I look, I I was just picking something that I, like my theme was very much I wanted shows that these two did together, that, that's and these fair. were like some of the most memorable ones I got. But no, yeah, no, you, you got like the the sweet fox show, and you got like the adorable interviews with Monster Girls show, and then you've got High School DxD. One of these things is not like the other. You've also got the kind of horny, but not as horny as the visual novel Cat Girl Show, as well as Magical Girl Raising Project, where nothing goes wrong. That was sarcasm, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, really? You think? Just sorry, like, sorry. Like... I, I know you guys are getting in your dad mode. I'm getting in my cranky uh, manga author mode. I've even got my uh, little butt pillow here all ready to go. Quick, throw it in the river and save that drowning man! Oh god, no. That 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 would that would be terrible. Though I was curious like when I heard this was getting a dub, I heard people were like, "Man, how the hell are they going to localize, adapt and translate this?" Because I've been told that Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei as a series is particularly dense as Fuck. It is untranslatable to to the point that when it was okay, Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei was originally going to be brought over sub only by Media Blasters back in like the early 2010s. Uh, then Media Blasters kind of fizzled out and that never happened. And I think it got announced to be picked back up again by an American distributor recently. But again, they they did not uh, say that they were going to dub it, which would be very difficult to do. So it makes sense uh, that... It, it got picked up by Nozomi Entertainment, a.k.a. Uh, right Stuff's that, uh, thank you. anime division. And, and, and it has been delayed for the worst reason possible. What's that? Oh, wait, did you not hear? I, I didn't either. Oh, uh, they lost the scripts. Oh, so they so, so it's still coming out, but the people doing it have to figure out all the dialogue by ear first before they can translate anything. 
No. Oh. So, so they're not gonna do a uh, samurai pizza cats thing and just make it up what, for the subtitles? I doubt that. <laughs> for the subtitles. Oh. Ooh, that's ooh, like, that's as far, rough. As, as far as I know, the reason has not come out yet is because they have to figure out what the sh they have to do. They have to make it their own script basically. Because I guess Shaft lost it. They don't oh, have it God. anymore. He's just trying to make himself taller. Yeah, basically. Jesus Christ. Okay, wow. Uh, my uh, condolences to whoever has to translate the entirety of Sayonara Setsubo Osensei from ear. And it's mm -hmm. it's a three-season show. Yeah. My God. Thankfully, this one is not three seasons. Nope. And while it's not Setsubo Sensei, like, dense, mm -hmm. this series is a comedy. And you know what comedies sometimes have? Jokes? Puns! Wordplay. And visual... And, like... Japanese translated puns. Yeah. Those could be hard. Especially when they're coming so fast and quick like this. this. This is a very Japanese show. Not just in the puns, but also the style of comedy. Uh, the Japanese comedies that get really popular tend to be the ones that are very rapid, uh, very, like, punchline, payoff, and then over-the-top reaction by the side characters, and that's the whole joke rinse repeat over and over again and we get a lot of that in this show too so i i can i can agree that if i didn't know that this already was dubbed i would be like how are they gonna do that well but uh i'll, I'll go ahead and jump into it and say uh better than i think anyone expected mm. oh absolutely like this is actually a really competent and like really funny dub and there's, like, even a couple of the scenes, like, they throw their own wordplays mm -hmm. in that actually make a lot of sense and really work a lot in the context. I think one of the ones that still sticks with me, uh, when, uh, uh, their, sen their teacher, Ichi Ichiko, is, has her giant little grabby claw, which I don't know why she has a <laughs> grabby claw, but it's funny every time. She has a little grabby claw, and she catches Satsuki basically creeping outside of Goto's house. She says, Predator! And he's like, no, editor. Oh, he, no, she was right the first time. She was, she was absolutely right. <laughs> no, it's like, that, that's one of the ones that particularly stuck with me, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fun little colorful language that they definitely, like, toss in there that I think definitely definitely really sticks out for a lot and it's it's n nothing is lost in the translation either like uh, did you guys have any point where you didn't understand what was going on because of the english dub because i felt it was pretty much like the story was pretty easy to follow the story itself is competent and even a lot of the misunderstand because because this entire thing is like mm. a comedy of errors that is exactly what it is is that everything is a bunch of misunderstanding and absurd reactions and like basically one it's a it's a cause and effect chain of one mm. thing leads to another lead to another but it's it's pretty easy to follow and you can see the through line of where the stupid error communication happened and I, I feel like when you were actually discussing it I feel like sometimes, like, romantic misunderstandings would be, like, unbearable in drama. But in this, Goto has an entire harem that he doesn't know about. <laughs> and it's all, like, just a stupid, like, slapstick gag. Yeah, it's not... Th this is not... Th there's not a whole lot of, um... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Significance to, like, uh, if something goes wrong in these characters' lives. Because there's... Uh, except for one part where, you know, um... Our main character thinks that his manga is being cancelled. Other than that, all the misunderstandings are basically the equivalent of, 
what people think of me. Uh, I don't want people to think that I'm a child predator or I'm a manga artist or, you know, things. I want I want to take Hime somewhere, but I don't want her to think that this weird little quirk of mine is going to immediately make her think I'm a manga artist. <laughs> Yeah, so that uh, so because of that, they're uh, they're free to play pretty fast and loose with the script as long as it doesn't actually change uh, the events of what happens. Which, uh, to my knowledge, they don't change at all. There's like I'll there's say there's like a couple of moments that I think were were interesting, or you can kind of tell like this is a clearly Japan super hyper Japanese reference that was placed in here. So so they opted with something a little more recognizable to like a westerner or something oh, like yeah. that as in I do not believe wow you're giving me Hugh Hefner vibes <laughs> or I I look like Scarlett Johansson or something are things that were in the original script. That was yes that I'm so glad you pointed that out. Okay, in Japanese, she did not say that she reminds that she thinks she's Scarlett Johansson. That was and I had to go back and rewatch in the Japanese because you can't toggle between the dub titles and subtitles on Funimation's website. Uh, she was referencing um, the actress Satomi Ishihara, who, if you've been watching modern Godzilla movies recently, you would know as the actress who played uh, Kayori oh. Ann Patterson in the Shin Godzilla movie. Interest. Okay, that's that's pretty interesting. But by God, I would not have known anything about that one fucking bit. No, you wouldn't have, and that's probably why they changed that. That's why Kristen said. Yeah, maybe one out of a hundred people watching this are gonna know who that is, but everyone knows. I, who I think I think I remember is, actually so, uh, another interesting change like that. I don't remember what, because I think they were talking about like I want to be a thing where like somebody's naming their kids after characters of mine, and they were doing that. There's a little mm -hmm. gag in the background. I think in the Japanese version where I think uh, a, a woman is calling for a child and it's the name of an anime character. But I think for the English one, it's like you hear mm -hmm. her say, Loki, yeah. come back, or something like that. But that one doesn't quite work as well, I'd say, but it's the kind of thing where it's like, you, you took your shot, and I could at least sort of buy it, especially in a post-MCU era, where it's like, oh yeah, no, there there's people that want to fuck Loki something fierce. I went to school with all the thirsty Loki fuckers. I can whoa, whoa, that that's war, more, I'm... You had a very rough upbringing, clearly. We did not need to know that. Noah, I was in a circle of Italian Homestuck <laughs> fans. You poor bastard. Don't talk to me! Don't you, you like, dare talk to me about having it rough. Did you have just, like, throw darts at a board filled with random words this, No, there? this, this is... It, it, it's that we, we now know the exact years that he was in high school for. That's what we know. <laughs> That's, that that that's, is very that's a, that's a, a time yeah. <laughs> Oh, I I yes. And now you know a little about myself. Actually, if I was to make one more sort of interesting uh, quirk, because I I think the script is really funny, really punchy, really entertaining, and I think for like the entirety of the show, everything that needed to be properly translated, understandable, localized, and like made comprehensible, really was. It's really entertaining. It's really funny. There's one thing I at least wanted to acknowledge, just because you were talking to me about it, and you're like, this part is basically untranslatable. I'm impressed that they even got it, like, as comprehensible as they did. Which was yeah, the naming the of Roku. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in the show, uh, Roku is the name of the dog, and they, they spend, like, a whole episode and a half trying to figure out what 
uh, to name him because they, they can't settle on a name. Hime can't decide on one. It's not until she goes into the registration office where you're supposed to register your dog's name that she kind of mishears the receptionist uh, saying the words of like, register here. And in Japanese, it made more sense because those words sounded, those syllables sounded close to the, the two syllables Roku. And they just kept the word Roku in uh, the dub as well. Like, and I'm glad because I'm, I'm glad they didn't try to change that to some equally syllabic but entirely different name because, you know, Roku is a cute name. It's an adorable name. Mm -hmm. It's also a very useful device that I watch a lot in bed. That is probably where a lot of people heard it as well. Um, and Aman, I think you actually found out more about uh, not just the n significance of the name, but the background for why he's named that too, Yes, right? let me find that. Give me a second. I'll give you six seconds. Uh, yes, yeah, so, all right. She, the dog is named Roku. Uh, for those of you at home, Roku is the Japanese word for six. That's what that is. Uh, and this itself is a... It's basically a reference to... A very old manga about what I'm assuming is like, like some kids and their dog done by a guy named Tetsuya Chiba, um, who I assume for a good chunk of his life was the artist on um, Tomorrow's Joe, like the manga version. Mm. Um, obviously, this is from like 1962, so obviously this is not a joke Americans will get. Unless, unless no. they are Americans who were in Japan in 1962, which do exist. But... I don't even think most people who are watching slash reading Kakushi Goto in Japan are that familiar with 1962. I don't know. He they, they, uh, he put some... he put the joke in there. Clearly, he gets it. <laughs> <laughs> At least one right. person gets it. The guy who wrote it. Well, I mean, th think back, Andrew. Think of like the references to uh, if if someone put in a Gilligan's Island reference to something, another media thing that was made in the '60s, you'd still get that, wouldn't you? Not really, actually. Oh my god, yeah, how young a Andrew, are you? And Andrew's part of the generation that doesn't didn't have TV Land and Nick and Knight growing up. It's very sad. Oh my god! I, I did have some Nick I and Knight, and I did have some infants. TV Land, but my dad like wasn't my dad wasn't like the biggest Gilligan's Island fan himself growing up. I see. Um, I think I, they I were they were like... I think they were a lot more into uh uh God why am I, why am I blanking on her name. Uh, what was the whole thing with the famous, uh, like, my mom loved I Love Lucy, and my dad, I, I think, was really into the, uh... The honeymooners? No, not Honeymooners, uh, what's the show with the famous scene about the cl the clown that dies? What? The, Jer uh, the Jerry Lewis movie? What? No, it's, it's just, like, a whole thing where it's, like, uh, a clown that is, like, killed, and it's, like, a woman who works at a... At like a news station or something, I go. Is oh, Mary Tyler Moore. Thank you, Christ. Oh God. De the dead clown threw me for a loop, but uh, okay, I chuckles. Okay, chuckles. Knows Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> Throw the hat in the air. This is an interesting conversation, but yeah. So point is, is that uh, that that whole point of the dog's name would be untranslatable as both a reference and the actual terminology in Japanese. So it's just kind of a. Um, a leap of faith that the audience listens to uh, Hime misunderstand the uh, the receptionist and be like, yeah, Roku, that's a good name. But, and we're like, okay. But, yeah, no, I think there, this is a really impressive production all around because this is clearly tricky material, and I feel like Kristen does a really fantastic job with what she's working with as far as, like, making it comprehensible, as well as making it really funny and entertaining. And you know what else is really funny? The goddamn deliveries that are given. I think Jade's 
comedic timing and like execution with some of these jokes is really sold by the deliveries. Like I adore a couple of the people in this in the core cast because this is a relatively it's sort of ensemble, but most everybody's kind of like incidental in and outs. You've got like a core crew, which is uh, his manga editors, uh, Kakushi Goto and Hime. Which I think you've got a lot of really good comedic timing and chops from some of these people. Even some good dramatic ones when it does call to be dramatic. And I think Jade does a pretty stellar job at that. See, I have to wonder, because pretty much everyone who we're going to talk about in the cast has been doing this for quite a while and has a good number of comedic roles under their belt. How much of it was, uh, like, very strict direction by Jade or, like, very specific... uh, uh, inflections that she told to give them and how much was okay guys here's the microphone here's the line here's the animation just freestyle try to match those lip flaps and have fun doing it yes i don't think yes yeah okay you know let's just go with yes i mean look, I, I, like I, I, I i feel i feel like enough of the people in here are seasoned enough that even if it's not quite like one extreme or the other there's a certain level of like i'm casting this person because i'm part i believe they will do a good job and, and they do not need you to micromanage everything, even if I give them direction. See, I'll, right. at least, I'll at least argue benefit of the doubt, where I feel like there's a couple of, like, known names who are, like, veterans at this point. But there's also equally as many people in this cast who, at the time, slash now, are still relatively new, fresh baby faces. And I think seeing some of them get to really tackle, like, some interesting comedic, dramatic moments is really impressive and admirable. One in particular that just, like, blew me away completely and is part of the reason I really wanted to do an episode on this dub outright. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah no. Uh, uh, Jade and Kristen are a very reliable, very dependable tag team. I think they are very much... They are good for each other as a partnership, not unlike... Okay, I was gonna say not unlike, no, not like that of Goto and Satsuki. Goto and Satsuki are like, like that is the original odd couple. Ugh. They could be in a 60s uh, television sitcom. God, oh god, yeah, no. It's like, it, what is this? Oh, it's Linguini. Throws it at the wall. Now it's garbage. <laughs> yeah, I could see those two in that relationship outright. Kakushi's uh, misery is our entertainment. Uh, well, yes, that's the whole, that's the show, isn't it? That is the entire show. Is the, the man is basically just having one anxiety panic attack. There is. I, I we will talk about this when we get to him. But yes, Kakushi himself is like. I feel like a lot of embodiment of imposter syndrome, anxiety, insecurity, and all of that, and somehow made funny. Not not. You know, reminding us of our own insecurities. Would you like some some a little bit more of old manga trivia to go before we move on? Before we move on, yes, please. Yes. I would love some old well, manga in, trivia. In, in in the show, the series he's working on for most of it is a dumb gag comic called Kaze no Tights. Uh, this this is I'm not sure this is a parody per se, but the title's clearly riffing on a pre-existing manga called Kaze no Dachi, uh, which is about golf, which I find oh! funny. Okay, yeah, no, he does use a golf club. He does use a golf club, like, when you see little bits of, like, tights in the wind, yeah. 
He should make that golf club shape like a mushroom. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Thank you for your terrible ideas, Sasuke. Please go back in your corner. That's why he get. That's why he gets to go on vacation overseas, and no one else does. God damn it. You can tell the author of this had some opinions about the industry. <laughs> you can tell. Uh, he does. Which I'll give credit where it's due. Kakashi Goto, I don't think, is like a cherry-colored... It was like a rose-tinted glasses view of the manga industry. It's just oh. an exaggerated version of the manga industry he sees in all of its like weird quirks and like dumb bullshit rules. I feel like the closest equivalent to it we've had in terms of, like, industry insight is, uh, it's not Shirobaka, it's actually Seiyu's Life, that show from, like, five, eight years ago that was about aspiring voice actresses, and it really went into depth about just how unglamorous that life can be. Kind of the same with, uh, published mangaka as well. Yeah, but I don't think this is as, like, shonen-esque compared to something like a Bakuman. This is a little more, it's... Yeah. Well, only but, only only one of those was written by an editor at Shonen Jump, so. It's also true. But anyways, I think it's time we move on to our first group, and I have named them something very fun. It's time, Team Girl Squad. Ow! 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 My headphones! Ow! Okay, got it. <laughs> oh, All right. Warn me next time. So, we're going to be talking about Cheerleader! Fashion Sense! What's-Her-Face! The Ugly One! I will let you, the viewers, decide which one falls into which category, but I've made my own for personal reference. Anyways, we're going to be talking about Riko Kichiki, Sylvia Kobu, Hina Tomi, and Ayu. They are some of Hime's best friends growing up. They're also part of a detective agency, I think. Where they solve mysteries. They are. Like trying to find a well and trying to adventure, adventure into the dangerous world of the fancy peeps. Which, God, I love that term for hipsters so much. I don't think it's hipsters. I think it's rich people. Hipsters. Which, it, 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 all, right, so, all right, now that I've said that, there's a lot of overlap between those two I groups, was going to say, <laughs> you live in Boston. There has to be overlap. Are, are Boston people also not allowed to say the word Starbucks? No, 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 no. It's not Starbucks we hate. It's Krispy Kreme because they tried to muscle in on our fucking turf. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you wanna like really look? Star Starbucks at the end of the day, it, it is for. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Look, you asked for this. Okay, hit us. Star hit us Star with that Boston Star pride. Starbucks. There Star goes our sponsorship. Star Starbucks, is, it's fancy pants. It's high class. All the sizes are named after Italian words. Oh, my. Oh, okay. Sorry, mm. I thought my audacity paused. There, there, there is a, a hoity. There's an inherent hoity-toitiness to it. It's trying to seem nice. Duncan is aggressively blue-collar in its presentation. Like, they're, tr they're trying to change that a little bit now, but, like, I put it that if you go to a Starbucks, you know who's filled up the seats? Aspiring screenwriters and novelists, right? Yeah. If you go to any Duncan, there will be, not less so now because of the pandemic, but there, if you go to a Duncan, <laughs> sitting there, there will be a group of, on average, four to eight old people just hanging out because that's what you do when you're old and retired in New England. You go hang out at the Duncans because there's food and coffee and donuts. You need to get yourself some Tim Hortons. 
I mean, I think, I think you get those occasionally. Same problem! Like, they're, they, Tim Hortons overlaps too much with Dunkin' Donuts. They can't... You, that Same thing with Krispy Kreme. Like, it's not the product. It's that that is a level of ingrained local brand loyalty that you cannot defeat. That That is generations of Dunkin' people. I'm if Starbucks would just if I'm sorry, if Starbucks would just sell some dang donuts on their menu, then they'd have it made. God, I, I, know, so, I fucking hate Dunkin' Donuts so much. Like I got so used to Donut Fridays at my office, and it's like I miss it for a week because I go down. Everybody's been bringing all these cool different donuts around the place. Uh, you miss Dunkin' Donut Friday for a week, and then three weeks in a row, everybody cops out with Dunkin' Donuts. I know it's right next to the office, but after having the good donuts and, like, a donut place in Danbury that had, like, cake-sized donuts, it's like, it doesn't compare anymore. It's so shit. That's fair enough. That yeah, You do want a little bit of variety. You can only have those deep-fried, glazed, simple ones after so many weeks. Lies. on, <laughs> let's steal me a Krispy Kreme. I would thank you. From where? I don't know. Anyways, you know who would be good at finding a, you know what you know what group of little girls would be good at finding me a Krispy Kremes nearby? The Team Girl Squad. And you want to know who plays them? Let's talk about who plays them. Uh, so Rico Kichiki is played by Kristen Sutton, who has played such characters as Himino Kimihara in A Centaur's Life, Shiro in The Helpful Fox Senko-san, Charlotte Ballou in Unbreakable Machine Doll, and Asuka Cannell in Fairy Tale. Uh, playing uh, Sylvia Kobu is one Susie Young, who has played such character as Jing... Z oh god, I need a drink. I uh, Syllables are fun. Syllables are hard. Susie Young has played such characters as Jing Xiaolin in Apari Ranman, Ray Onodera in Kaguya-sama. Oh god, how do you say this? Eli Eliaria Jamil in By the Grace of the Gods. And both Kaban and Lucky Beast in Kimona Friends. Playing Hima Tomi is Sarah Wienenhef, who has played such characters as Lily Hoshikizawa in Zombieland Saga. Sara is in Sarazamai. <laughs> Akemi Soryuin in How Heavy Are the Dumbbells You Lift, and Suika in Dr. Stone. And playing the role of Ayu is our writer, Kristen McGuire, who has played such characters as Yui in Bofuri, Mao in Hensky, An in Real Life, and Senko in The Helpful Fox Senko-san. I'm glad that we started with this group because uh, it's... They kind of blend together, I feel, like all their voices do, because they're, they're always together. Like, no single one of them is usually separated from the main group, mm -hmm. and they're all very good. Like, they all have that precocious middle school... I think she's supposed to be in middle... Is it the, middle school or uh, elementary she is school? She's ten years old. Okay, so on the cusp of entering middle school. She, she might be, like, she might be, like, fifth, sixth grade. Right. So, yeah, so their precociousness from... Uh, these actresses is all pretty uh, uniform, except for Ayu, because Ayu is the you know is the newbie of the group, and so Kristen gives her a distinctively uh, meeker, more sweet sounding voice to start with. So uh, the only one that I could really pick out, uh, admittedly, was Hina, because Sarah Wiedenhef's voice is just really uh, distinct and really easy to pick out. And it for is. some reason, I don't know if uh, this was uniform or if it was just in the episodes that i noticed her in but it sounded like she was uh like speaking very quickly 
but uh, in retrospect, maybe that was just all of them because they were all, they're always scheming, they're always planning stuff, and so, yeah, they're all kind of speaking quickly I, in every scene that they're in. I'd say the one that's probably, like, the, the quietest slash slowest is Sylvia, a.k.a. Susie's character, because she's usually the one that's a little more reserved, but when she does speak, it's because she really wants to play the big boss of the detective agency, and you can tell she's so excited, it's like... It is time, dear ladies. It's like you can t you can see like her little child like brain is like she's just a usual like little girl, and now she's just like time to get to work. Like you can tell she takes detective work very seriously. Somebody wants to take a break. It's like no, we said we'd find this thing or their money back, and I am not giving back that five hundred yen. I need it for candy. It's a we bunch of looking. miniature Zenigadas in training. <laughs> and that's terrifying. So, so if, oh god, yeah. If, if you're talking about mini Zenigadas, then we're just teaching this girl to chase after a man she'll never have. <laughs> okay, no look. How much she suppresses it. Look, no, we're no, at wait, this no, point, you... we're at this point where, like... Is Zenigata the most popular ship with Lupin at this point? Oh heck yeah! But like at the, to the to the extent that that scene in the movie uh, Castle of Cagliostro where he like he grabs Lupin by the collar and he's like his face is like this close to him and all the girls were like yes yes finally now kiss him already like in part five in part five like somebody straight up is just like are you two dating? Yep. And it's just like, okay, at this point they know, and it's like, I think even they're not sure if they're an item or not. They're just kind of like, when he's in town, do it do it for a quickie, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, like, Jigen's a bro, but probably doesn't swing that way. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I'd say Goemon is probably fully on the A-spectrum. But Zenigata, yeah. he's chasing after Lupin in the morning, not because he wants to catch him, but he, he's telling him he, he needs to get tested the next morning. You know, this is, this is all reminding me what an incredible shame it is that we're probably never going to get a From Eroica with Love anime, because that shit would make a, the entire world would explode. It would be kind of fun to watch. What the... Okay, we're talking about these... We're talking about these little girls. You started it, buddy. Don't look at us. Not... No, don't tell me these little girls don't aren't reading the slash fic and not going like, hmm, yeah, something's awakening. Okay, at least one of these girls is growing up and looking at the hardcore like dojins of guy on guy stuff. It's probably Sarah's character. I mean, what kind of girls are like so into their teacher's love life that they have to stalk her to find out? you know, who her potential boyfriend is. Nosy ones. Which is why they have a detective agency. They're, they're, they're little gossips. They're excited to learn about this stuff. I guess. But yeah, uh, I like Kristen. I, I like Kurt. Oh god. There's two Kristens. Uh, I like both Kristens. Uh, I like Sarah and I like Susie. They're all great. They're all funny. They all have great chemistry and bounce off one another and they're a ton of fun. Yeah, that's the most important thing is the chemistry that they have. It's like no one dominates the group, really, and that's good because they, they work as a very good trio. Yeah, like I said, uh, Ayu, Ayu kind of shows up later, and I think there's maybe even one more, but I don't have her credited even though I 
think I know who it is. I'm not going to make an ass of myself and say who it is without knowing. Because right now we are still working off of the, uh, what we know of the simuldub, even though a home video release will be uh, releasing by, like, the end of August. Mm -hmm. But there is still oh. enough to cover an episode and talk about these people. But, so I think we we're all agreement that they're all very fun, very entertaining, and work off each other well. They are quite delightful, yes. I, I, I just love the entire Fancy Peep saga. <laughs> well, I think my favorite part is just at the end, Hime is like, wait, isn't this a Starbucks? And just gets dragged off anyways. Like, she, I, I like the fact that she is just the most sensible one. She's like, guys, I think this is just the thing. <laughs> I, got, I think, this is, I I think mean, this is just the coffee store. I mean, it, it, they're not wrong about the, the assessment that this is where uh, magical brews are brewed up and people speak in weird tongues like that, that's not inaccurate it's like i it's feel just... i feel like this group of characters has an entire mitsuboshi colors s spinoff waiting them <laughs> oh absolutely god that that that's a show for another day but by god anyways we're all agreement they're all fun cute yes G give them the spinoff absolutely all right so if we're talking about running gags Let's talk about another fun, ongoing little gag. That is the lovely ladies of Kakushi Goto, a.k.a. the harem he doesn't know he has. Here's the thing about Kakushi Goto, is that the man is a mangaka, he's a father, but the thing that he doesn't understand is that he is totally... Suave as fuck and a total heartthrob. Like he talk, like literally the entire thing is like, I wonder if he so. may needs a mother. And like every lady in like a ten mile radius is like, <gasps> okay, okay, okay. Right. No, I'm gonna argue with there. Okay, you ever seen the movie Sleepless in Seattle? I have actually. Okay, you you know how everyone like okay, Tom Hanks loses a wife goes on radio and all of a sudden there's like thousands of single women who are like you know like i want to be your your special someone it's not so much and they point this out in the movie it's not so much that he's the suavest person ever although tom hanks is it's that there are a lot of desperate single women out there and kakushi goto just happens to surround himself with a lot of desperate single women okay yeah anyways so starting us off we will be discussing Nadila, who is an Indonesian-made housekeeper, who is literally just introduced into the story, I think, as a punchline, and then she just be stays for the rest of the show. <laughs> so, good for Nadila. She's not actually interested in it, she's just paid to watch after Hime. Yeah, she's the- you put her under the lovely ladies group. She's the only one who doesn't really seem to show a romantic interest. Their relationship is strictly professional. But she is- but he is paying her money for goods and services. I mean, she- it, she's not a part of his. He's just the object of Satsuki's affection because he's a lunatic. He's such a lunatic. <laughs> but we can also talk about, uh, Kumi Joro, who is a flower girl who gives him flowers, and then he gives her the flowers that she just gave him, and then she's like, oh! And then there's Yo Sh Shikoshi, who is teaching a cooking class, and then eventually teaches him how to make fried chicken for Hime's birthday, because apparently fried chicken is really big for birthdays in Japan. Was she also the one who was, um, 
uh, teaching the the drawing class. No, that is actually Narusenda, who is the high school uh -huh. idol girl. Great segue. Thank you for that, Noah. Who is a high school teenage girl, befriends Hime because Hime actually watches her sing, becomes her fan, and then she's also like, oh, is he interested in me? And then he's like, no, he's a, he's a respectable guy. He doesn't, he's not going for, he's not going for teenagers, but thanks for trying. And then there's the actual best girl of the show, Ichiko Rokujo, who is Hime's uh, teacher. She's got a grabber claw. She is spunky. She's feisty. She's adorable. And she's a cutie. She also actually looks really good with, with both short hair and long hair. She is best girl. But does she look better in the tracksuit or the summer dress? More market research pick. is required for this, but honestly, I could I could take it either <laughs> way. She looks good. She could Kodansha, get on those models. Ugh. Anyways, so yes, uh, let us start us off uh, playing these characters. Uh, playing the role of Nadila is Risa May, who only has two named credits. Uh, Celia in By the Grace of the Gods, and Rum, aka Rum and Shirley in Shadow's House. Because she is two of two different people, but also the same person. Watch Shadow's House if that confuses you. But yeah, I think at the time, this was Risa May's first actual credit. Uh, playing the role of the Flower Girl is Terry Doty, who has played such characters as Virgo in Fairy Tale. Jaguar in Kimono Friends, Moriko Mori Morioka in Recovery of an MMO Junkie, and Kyoko Machi in Interviews with Monster Girls. Uh, playing the the fried chicken lady is Kate Bristol, who has played such characters as Lynette Bishop in Strike Witches, uh, Wainsley in Black Clover, Kinako in The Most Monokian, and the precious little bean Kisasoma in Fruits Basket. Uh, Naru is played by Emmy Lowe, who has played characters such as the Small Clawed Otter in Kimono Friends, Asano Izumi in Kono Oto Tomare, I'm going to read this name, Sispel Lu Nebulius Ninth in Our Last Crusade, and Hototo, not Hototo, Hototo in Apare Ranman. And playing the role of Best Girl Teacher, uh, Ichiko is Lindsay Seidel, who has played Maya Fey in Ace Attorney, Top Speed in Magical Girl Racing Project, Yayoi Kunizuka in Psychopaths, and Akane Shinjo in SSSS Gridman. Is it SSS Gridman or is it S Gridman? Are you, no, are, please. are you a snake? Um... I haven't checked. Uh, if, you're, if, but you're, if, if you are a snake, you can pronounce it as. But if not, you have to pronounce each individual as. Either way, since since you're having fun running your mouth right now, would you like to start us off? Oh, absolutely, uh, because um, this is a, a group that does uh, pad out the cast a little bit, and it's true that um, the the next group we're going to get to is the ones who have more of the screen time. But it's kind of nice to show that. Koshigoto has a life outside of the work and the family, and that's where all these characters come in. All and of them want to be I, family. <laughs> and, and one of them arguably is more than any other. In fact, and I'll start with that, because the thing about Nadila is, Nadila is that she has a noticeably thicker accent than all the other characters. Everyone else is allowed to keep their standard American accent in the dub, 
uh, Risa was told to have a uh, kind of an uh, Indonesian accent, which is different from the Japanese, because if you listen in sub, her seiyu doesn't really have an accent. She speaks pretty much the same as all the other actors, so that's an interesting choice. Um, Al, does Did that take any of you guys out of the experience at all, to have one person who's distinctly ethnic have an ethnic accent i don't think it took me out of it i just thought it was an interesting choice for an interesting character not specifically especially after because i was curious it's like who 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 is this actress is she what is it and i looked it up and she is like of indonesian descent like she can speak indonesian fluently um which i'm assuming, oh, really? which I'm assuming okay, is why cool. they i'm assuming it's like hmm she probably hired an indonesian person to play the indonesian person but no i think like risa actually does do a good job playing her like like, a very, like, supportive, caring housekeeper, but she also has a couple of really funny deliveries. Like, when Sasuke drops just a very suspicious package, it's like, oh, I've seen this in my country before. It is a bomb. <laughs> and she just says that with such a straight, like, calm face. It's a bomb. Like, you're a, you're a, cool. you're a counter joke you feel like you shouldn't laugh at, but you do anyways. Yeah. I mean, you could kind of tell where the joke was coming from a mile away, because they were clearly leading it up to be, it's a parcel bomb, and you're like, should I be laughing at this? <laughs> I'll go ahead and laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Risa, is, uh, for, as you said, this was her first uh, credited uh, anime voice, uh, certainly did a good job. Like, I've heard much worse debut performances and dubs before, and this was by no means that. This was perfectly well done for the... 10, 10 and a half lines that she had, especially uh, doing the, um, uh, what was it, the fortune-telling, chanting, it is a CEO uh, bit that they did in that one episode. Oh yeah, it's like a spirit CEO, it's like you could tell there's a lot of wordplay going on in here. I don't have as much to say about Terry, Kate, or Emmy, honestly, because they're, they show up and, well, I can't have more to say about Emmy, but Kate and Terry kind of blended together in my mind. I did enjoy just watching the the interactions of them fighting over Koshito's affection at um, uh, both at the zoo or at the uh, was it like athletic event? Oh, it's and... literally like Hime's event. He's cheering her on, and he has an entire squad that are all fighting with each other, and he's just like, "Yay, Hime!" Yeah, that's uh. That, like, Look at all these ladies that came to cheer you on, sweetie. And she's just like. <laughs> I think there's um there's actually a bit in um the episode where um Satoshi first meets um uh Nadila and he's like she's my type. And then a couple minutes later uh we get a scene where Koshito is interacting with I think it's you is the one. You mean and she looks at him. Kakushi? Kakushi. Thank it, you. It, there are I was wondering. Movies. I was like who's Koshito? That's a different anime. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, but what the uh, yeah the joke was that uh, you looks at him and's like he's my type, so it's like there's definitely a whole lot of unrequited affections going on here. And I'll give Kate and Terry the credit for that. Uh, they sound like very competent working girls who just need some love in their life. Like they definitely get the love struck portions of it without sounding completely. Mis like uh, completely empty inside. Like they could do a whole lot worse. They could also do better. Oh, you could always do better than a 
not even the most popular mangaka. It's like he's not he's not drawing popular stuff like uh, what did they write down? He's not drawing Tokyo Cruel or Attack on Gremlin. Oh, you know, you're not even talking about the guy that tried copying his style, Jujitsu Kaisen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that like a what was that? Was that like a yeah, 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 yeah? I, I, it's weird, I laughed. Like, what about it? <laughs> it sounded like you were doing a fucking like dude, like nyak nyak nyak. That that's called that's called the three stooges, <laughs> or a jabberjaw, whichever one you want to go so, for. So it's the cur- it's the cur- curly Howard. Yeah. Either way, it was it was great. Anyways, continue. Yeah, Lindsay definitely gets the most fun. Uh, you can't have the show without Lindsay because uh, not only is she um, the first uh, adult who kind of acts as a confidant to Kazushi. Um, she's also consistently, like, kind of a voice of advice. Like, they have whole, like, every episode there's a scene sitting on the park bench, the two of them talking, he's in his, like, heavy coat jacket so you can't see his manga cosplay, she's in her tracksuit, which I love, by the way, and, yeah, she gets a whole lot of um, good interactions with him especially because she has kind of two voices uh lindsay has this mature and kindly teacher voice when she's in teacher mode but she gets a lot geekier when she's kind of freaking out about you 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 you, you don't remember what their face looked like oh god <laughs> that, was, that was such a good little bit it's like i did it with the once and it was online <laughs> I, I think like this, yeah, like the the stakes of, for this one being low as they are makes these absurd scenarios actually like charming and delightful and just a, a a whole fucking fun time. It is. It's it's kind of the uh, oh look at the idiots kind of uh, humor. It's like you you don't you laugh at them but you pity them at the same time. Oh, like, they're stupid. Poor, poor uh, Ichiko. Oh. She's she's doing her best. She's doing a good job. It, it's it's that a... whole it's that Ghibli movie clip. It's like you're stupid. I like that in a man. Well said. <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna I was just gonna point that Lindsay's comedic timing is really good and very fitting for this weapon wielding teacher. These are all very funny. Um, where to start? Uh, Terry and Kate. They're, they're just very entertaining. I like the whole bit where everyone shows up to field day and uh, Kakushi, Kakushi is just completely oblivious to what's happened. Because he's he's not interested in dating. Why would I be interested in dating him? That's silly. Um, they're all really funny. Um, Emmy's, all, Emmy's also really funny in that same way. I also just find it very cute that it's like, Oh, she's my fan! She came to watch me perform in the park, and she's she's my fan now. And it's like, oh, that's that's really just sweet. It's really. I actually th- <laughs> think Naru is like incredibly charming. No, Naru. Nar, it's it's a really it's a cute bit. There's a lot of things about the show that are surprisingly cute, given who made it and what he's better known for, and for that matter, other stuff in the series. Because like you know, it's not it's not like he lost his dark edge or anything. No. <laughs> I'll get to. We'll talk more about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, no, she's really funny. Uh, I like Risa a lot just because I think like she gets a lot of like good one-liners. I think. Um, I also just like that the character. I feel like they they decided to give her that accent, but they didn't make that part of like the punchline. It's just like no, like Japanese isn't her first language. Um, you know, she still speaks it competently, but like you know, it's not. Um, 
and you know i just i find her bits of like i don't think she even realizes that his editor is trying to hit on her it's just like this weird man keeps doing things nearby oh, he seems fun <laughs> he 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 seems fun because he comes off as harmless because he seems too stupid to be scary um, but yeah, see, that's it's see that's David his Drake. biggest weapon is his incompetence. He's too he's too inept to be creepy. Um, <laughs> he's too inept to be creepy. That's a good way of putting his character. Um, but I th- Lin- Lindsay is, I think, I think she is like the real standout of this, just because she's she's just very funny, and it, part of it, it helps that like her character shows up the most, and she has become like kind of. Um, but like Kakushi's kind of like unwitting confidants because it's like, okay, look, I don't want to talk about my job with my daughter. Can you please if help this... me not have to have this conversation? If this show was even humoring the idea of end game routes, she has like the best shot. Cause like none of his editors, none of his assistants, by the time they spent time with it, are like, I don't want to deal with you. I I see your point, but I. Sh- Kakushi reminds me a lot of, like, my parents were just like, marriage is not an interest anymore. They've, They've moved, moved past. Also, 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 as we find out, he's he's still, like, kind of pining for his, Wait, his that, wife. That's, that's a whole, that's not, a whole not, other not, thing, and I'm rough. not even sure how I feel about that, honestly. <laughs> but, I see. yeah. Um... Uh, Lindsay's just funny. I like her just going around wielding her little, like... Uh, what is stick. that? What is that? What? I... I mean, great how she uses it. Like, clearly you're supposed to use it. You can, like, kind of put it around something, like, pin them to a wall. She does that when they're, like, out in the woods in the camp episode. Uh, this this, feel, this yeah. feels like a thing that, like, if you're, like, if you've lived, you know, if you're, like, a, a par- you know, someone who has, like, been to school in Japan, you might recognize that as, like, an object that a teacher would use, but I'm, I'm sort of... Yeah, I, I, I guess it's running down Chris. It's, it's a Kabe Don for the social distance era. She, she is a reject character from Soul Leader who is using her uh, partner to try to get those 100 Kenshin eggs. Oh my god. I, I, I appreciate oh that reference, but also my god. Oh, that, refer- that reference, can, that can, reference uh, can vote. It can! D- don't tell me that there's not... If there's not fan art out there of, you know, Maka and Death uh, it's side by side with uh, Ichiko and whatever well, that, that the absolutely thing is exists. There. There, there's got to be that out there. Also, also for the exists. record, for the record, her partner is Soul. Death Scythe is her father. You're right. I, I it's been a it's been a hot minute yeah, since I watched the show. I, I could definitely go for a Soul Eater rewatch at some point. Not not though. God. Okay, okay. <laughs> I would watch Soul Leader Not for this podcast if I was told to, or slash if somebody requested it. Everyone in the comment section, tell Andrew how much you want him to watch Soul Leader. <sighs> or, or, or tell you what, if you, if you, dear viewer, decide to become a ten dollar tier patron every three or so months, you can request an episode of our own choosing. So if you decide, man, I really want to hear Andrew talk about Soul Eater Not, go ahead. Anyways, let me actually talk about this show instead because this is a good. You know, you know what to do, Josh. Oh my god! 
fucking stop stop giving josh the duty of giving me like the shit tier stuff like let josh recommend josh, the... it is your responsibility uh, stop it. use your power for stop good. admitting to it andrew i wouldn't know if you had mentioned it <laughs> <laughs> fuck okay uh so uh yeah uh nadila is a fun character she's very entertaining uh risa may like for her first role it has a really good like odd deliveries but she's very funny and very entertaining bounces off each other uh kate bristol and terry doty you're right they sound like good working girls they're very good and are fun fighting with each other uh i really like emmy i think this is a relatively early emmy low roll too she's definitely a little fresher face but she definitely sounds like a sweet spunky naive girl who's trying to find her place in the world who's genuinely just really touched by, like, the kindness she's shown by Hime and even Goto. She sort of mistakes it as affection, but it's, that one's just kind of a punchline and not actually going anywhere. I just remembered that I enjoyed their little sleepover uh, between Naru, Nadili, and uh, uh, Hime in that one episode. And then it becomes Satsuki and uh, Ichiko because she catches him. Yep. <laughs> He's so bad at his job. Anyways, uh, but no, uh, I, I actually really like Emmy, and you also hear her grow up a little bit more in that flashback, because she I think she eventually becomes a reporter. Like, that's interesting, but you hear her t tone of voice get noticeably older, yes. oh, and I actually really like that. Forgot you. Yeah, she's a news broadcaster. Good for her. She still gets some experience with a microphone. Good for you, little idol girl. And, of course, Lindsay Seidel is definitely the standout of this. She has really great line deliveries. She has great chemistry and reactions with, like, the, the little girls in her class. Uh, Goto being a fan of his, being in love with him, and also being a fan in love with him. Which, man, what a combo. But, my God, uh, Ichiko is just super funny. Super, super entertaining. I love, I love when she is just, like, throwing she's grabbing people with the little stick or she's like reacting to like a misunderstanding it, it's just she's just so fun also you're right maybe like short hair tracksuit is better i think she's pretty she's really pretty with the sundress and the long hair but you're right there's just some character about the short hair and the tracksuit she, she is working it extra hard like i i know that Japanese teachers are free to pick their own outfits, unlike the students who, you know, have to wear the uniforms. So she could have picked anything she wanted to, and the fact that she went with that is just like... Now, you go, now that I think about it, she does have a very uh, Chie from Persona 4 vibe when she's, like, in the in the tracksuit. She's got a very Chie vibe. I could see her saying Fistake. I know somebody's gonna get that. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, I think Lindsay is definitely the standout here. She's really funny, really entertaining, and but yeah, no, this whole group is pretty entertaining. Let's yeah. now talk about. Actually, you know what? Uh, Ichiko Rokujo. She is a teacher. She's watching after a bunch of young, impressionable minds. She's doing her best, and she is not paid enough for this shit. Let's talk about people who no, really paid aren't enough. paid enough for this bullshit. <laughs> Let's talk about his manga assistants, a.k.a. give these fucking guys and gals a raise. We will be talking about uh, Kak Kakeru Keshi. He is the relative newbie. 
he erases things, and everybody thinks that he only erases things. Uh, Al Gushiji <laughs> and Ami Kawei, they're a little more veterans, they're a little more experienced, but they have not yet made their debut, but they are integral for Goto's uh, manga series. These are real. Because he these is, are real major players in the series. We got to keep uh, Kakuro in, on the staff because uh, we haven't switched over to digital yet. Everything's still got to be analog, so you gotta you know erase those lines by hand. Oh, they're talking about like going digital for a second, then they're talking about his job being obsolete, and he starts crying. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> I love, I love his assistants so much. They are just a great squad ensemble. They are just very entertaining. I love all of them. Bless them. Would you like to talk about who plays them? Yes, please. Um, playing the role of Kakeru is Kevin Thuwell, who, if I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, I think when he was first cast in Kakushi Goto, this was his very first named anime role. Really? Yes, but since Kakushi Goto, he has played such characters as Poseidon in Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle. Onima in My Hero Academia Season 5, Fujikawa in Budokan, and Mio in Megalobox 2 Nomad. Uh, I gotta catch up on that, se on that second season. Oh my god, you do. It's it's crazy. It's great. I love it. Uh, playing the role of Aogushiji is one Chris George, who has played such characters as Donatello in Decadence, The Lion in Africa Salaryman, uh, Robbie Yarge, how do you say it? Robbie Yarge? Robbie Yarge in Robihachi, and Tetsuo Takahashi in Interviews with Monster Girls. Amane, I figured you would appreciate the Robihachi reference. Oh, yeah. Cool. Love that and pl playing Ami Kawei, the girl with the really, really interesting hairpiece in the front, is Caitlin Barr, who has played such characters as Ryukyu in My Hero Academia. Ren Soma in Fruits Basket, Niki Hanada in Dr. Stone, and Melda Dietz in Star Blazers Space Battleship Yamato 2199. Poor Kevin. Poor, poor, poor <laughs> cock. One of my favorite jokes in this entire series is there's a bit towards the end where I think everyone's, all the assistants are talking about, I think it's either like what they're going to do when they have time off now or what they're going to like do in the future. And mm -hmm. everyone else gets to talk about them, and whenever <laughs> Kakeru tries to chime in, he just immediately gets cut off. <laughs> and he never, he never even gets like, he never even gets like a seed of just like having to be sad about it. It just immediately goes on to the next one. It's like, nope, you're too, you're too new to care. We don't care. He has, he's accepted that his life is uh, the trash can of the group. Pretty much. He's a good boy, though. He is such a good boy. He he, he oh, is yeah. a good boy. That's why people walk all over him. That's how it is. In this industry, if you're too good, everybody walks all over you. And if you're too shit, then you become Sasuke and successful. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a whole class of manga assistants who never really debut because they just keep being assistants because they want to be helpful. Yeah, they, they never they never end up breaking through because they never take they they never given that chance and they never take it themselves. 
Well, I feel like a lot of us had that uh, part in our career where we, we started out like, yes, I'm new, I'm fresh, I'm energetic, I'm gonna work really hard, and it's gonna pay off. People are gonna recognize my hard work, and that's gonna take me far. Then you get to, you know, five, ten years of doing that, and you realize, this ain't doing shit. Working hard is a scam. Take breaks every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. And un unfortunately for poor uh, for Kakaru, he's uh, he's still at that. He hasn't gotten to that stage yet. He's he, he is very baby faced, like fresh out of college. You can tell. But yeah. God, Kevin plays him with such this level of like charming, like sincerity to him. But you can also tell like he doesn't actually. I think my favorite thing is that you can tell Kakaru is so new he doesn't understand the boss's bullshit yet. And you can tell everybody's like, dude, shut the fuck up right now. <laughs> they're, they're just like, oh, maybe maybe he, somebody's going to ask Hime out. And then they're going to get like a social media account. And everybody's like, dude, shut the fuck up right you, now. Wrong, wrong words, wrong words. Back paddle faster. Like, I love like that he's just, like, he's not mean. He's not being mean. But he genuinely just doesn't have a filter nor does he understand what actually he's not supposed to say around Goto. It's great. Yeah, that's why this group works, is because no two characters are uh, identical. They're all at either different levels of their professional career and different expectations for uh, you know how you should act in that environment. But they all blend so well together, especially when they're like celebrating or <laughs> they're crying. <laughs> It's the world's saddest chocolate party. <laughs> I love that. They're just, they're just on top of each other and crying. Now, Aman, you were saying that your favorite part with um, Kevin was uh, when he was trying to speak up about what, what he's going to do with time mm -hmm. off, and he never gets to say mm -hmm. it. My favorite little bit is the dog episode, where they, they got the pen, they're excited for the dog, and then he, then he says, uh, actually, we're not getting the dog. And they're all really sad about it, but none worse than Kevin, who's just in I a didn't even tell of... you about it! He, and he's like, you weren't even part of that conversation! <laughs> you weren't even part of that, he was more excited than everyone. <laughs> it's so sad to watch, so I'm, I'm glad they resolved that and they did get a dog. Which, which yes, for those of you who uh, keep up with the does the dog die at the end uh, part of the uh, website. Uh, this show is not on that list. The dog makes it to the end. No, the, do God. the dog grows big and strong and healthy and is basically supporting Hime through like some of the worst moments of her life. Even though he's That's clearly very old by the end of the show. He's yes, a big thankfully woofer. we stopped the show there. He's a big woofer! Ten, ten's old for a lot of dogs, and I, I, I'll give the show credit. I, I think they ten? do a good job of animating I, I him being an old dog, if that makes any sense. I think he's like eight. I think he's like... He's, he's like puppy, he's puppy age when he made uh, ten, ten going on eleven, and by that's the time... Right, like that, you're right, I, I miss... Look, that's still, look, he's getting up in years. This is true. He, yeah, he ain't I, I no think, spring chicken no more. That's my point. Yeah, he he's definitely like I think eight by the top eight or nine by the time uh, he may finds out about the shed. Yeah, in the well, we'll call the after story part of the show. Oh, okay. I I, I thought you were making a worse joke, and then I realized what you were saying. It's like okay, yeah, I guess this is kind of a what did you think? Can I not make a Clanod reference? I'm. I'm not going to lie, for some reason I thought you were going for a different show, 
Like, I thought you were going for... Oh my god, why am I... I thought you were going for, like, a school days thing for a second, and don't ask me why my brain thought you were going to make a school days joke. I would never, ever make that connection, and now you're making me sad that there's no dub for that show, because I'd love to talk Andrew, about it. Andrew, there isn't a single boat in this entire series. What are you talking about? There is a boat! Don't... don't and it is not a good boat. Don't spile... Don't, no, I guess you're right. Damn it, okay. I'm spoiled. Anyways... Uh, So uh, the point is, the point is that Kevin is a good twink. You know, Kevin is a very good twink voice, and uh, he does his role absolutely very well in this show. Is he? He's more of a, he's more of like a geek. What's the difference between a geek and a twink? I need a chart. I I need it broken down here. I need the spectrum wrote now, he, and I need he, to put him on this he, chart he somewhere. He physically fits, but his style of glasses may, very clearly makes him a geek. Like he he is there. he's too dorky looking. Okay, I I will I will refer to powers more intelligent than I about the geek twink allegiance alliance <laughs> allegiance. <laughs> Dear, Whatever it is. dear it be- Megan, how would you describe this character, Sin? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that's probably exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, anyways, uh, Algu, uh, he is very much like, he's older, but you can tell like he's just he's just doing his best. Also, he breaks his arm a lot. <laughs> I love the fact that like things are going back to normal, and it's like, why are you still broken? It's like, it takes a long time to heal a fracture, dude. Well, didn't he have a second injury, too? Oh, yeah. I think he, he like, he cracks his arms at least twice across this, across 12 episodes. Right. Maybe three he's times. Still, he's dealing with a lot, and then you find out, like, he's got, like, a family bookstore. It's like, books are heavy, man. That's true. That's true. Um, I actually wanted to say about Chris, um, is that I'm gonna confess something, is that when I first saw the first episode of this show in dub i hadn't looked at the cast list so i had no idea who was voicing who i thought that uh the voice actor they got for agu was black just because for some reason uh chris's initial delivery lines were like very deep very uh not chris sound at least not the way that i've heard chris speak before it's like something different from what i've normally heard him with but after hearing him a little bit further in the show, I, I was like, okay, so he, it felt like he kind of settled uh, into not as deep of a voice uh, by the second episode. Because he started out very low at the beginning. That did not go even close to where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to say, oh, he kind of sounds like Tyson Reinhardt, which is like, I've made that mistake before. I was not expecting that to go in the direction where it actually went. I felt like my nostrils flare up like I just ate some fucking wasabi. Holy shit, wow. dude. But he did a good job. Like, he like, did, but yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay. I mean, Tippy. I want to give a really good credit to Chris. Actually, is that he uses like his lower pitch for a really funny reason, for really funny lines a couple of times. Uh, there's that that bit in the show where uh, Kakushi is told to do the judging of the of the like the new mangaka submissions, and you know Kakushi's like, "I'll never do that." And then he changes his mind later and it's like, I'll do it. And then Chris has this really funny delivery where he's like, but you said there was no way you'd do it. Oh yeah, that was great. Also, like, 
There's a couple of, like, really bad, like, Satsuki fuck-ups in the show. There's, like, a sliding scale. I think the worst one, actually, is adding lol to every comment in the fucking contest. Like, oh, it's yeah, pretty, that's, that's pretty, pretty bad. Who does that? That's a pretty shitlord one. That's, like, what the actual fuck is wrong with you? Because it was legitimately good criticism. You don't follow that up He with was an trying. LOL. He was being sincere. And then he pits that in and everybody's like, now everybody thinks I'm a jackass. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think my favorite thing actually, uh, actually pivoting that back to Caitlyn is like, wow, did he actually write that? And then her, I love her delivery actually of that. It's like, wow, he really is a tool. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... I don't think the word tool was in the original, so that's another liberal use of the translation that still fits the point of the line. Actually, yeah. And now let's talk about Caitlyn. I love Caitlyn as this character. She's got, like, this right level of, like, spunk... Like, she's definitely, like, hardworking, spunky, but also sometimes just too tired for this shit. But she goes along with it anyways. But I, I, I love, like... Her excitable, excitableness, like, when she's just really bouncing off of the other characters. She has great chemistry with, like, Rasuna and, like, Algu and Kakaru. Like, I, I love this ragtag squad of idiots. Oh, yeah. But, no, it's just, like, Caitlyn in particular, she's got a couple of really great line deliveries. Like, when she's really excited for the end of the year party... Or when she... I, I also love when she's just, like, cracking up. I love, like, the good way she's just, like, losing her garbage when she hears about how Roku got his name. And she's just, like, <laughs> just losing it in the in the background. It's like, oh, she, she sells that so hard. No, Caitlyn is delightful as uh, Ami. Really, really funny to performance and deliveries. She can also be scary, too. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's that bit in episode four where... Um... Uh, she she's asked the question, "Do you have a pen name picked out?" And she's like, "I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. Ask me one more time, and you die." Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> which that, again, a good good example of uh, the dub people uh, having a little fun with it because the original Japanese didn't didn't do that pitch drop there. It was still her having kind of a scary voice, but it wasn't. I'm gonna turn into Gollum for a second to get my point across. No, she's got, like, the right level of, of like, sort of, like, stern quietness and knows exactly when to be a little more extra for when the scene really calls for it. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, was Caitlin an example of, uh, you were mentioning before that some characters have really good dramatic moments as well. Was Caitlin one of them? Does she have dramatic moments? In the after story parts, I mean. Uh, I, I'd say not particularly Caitlyn, but she she's got some like fine moments. Like she kind of works more in the ensemble. If anything, the more dramatic stuff I think say goes to uh, mostly Hime and a little bit of who we're going to be talking about in the next section. Okay. But no, I I, I think like Caitlyn is really like really funny, really enjoyable. Uh, Ahmad, you have any thoughts about like her in particular? Uh, I think it's really funny when she's playing not Hime. 
during the heme alert. Oh, I forgot it. <laughs> yes, thank you for reminding me. I love. She's really, she's I... really funny because she clearly thinks this is really, really fucking stupid, but she's going to amuse herself <laughs> while she has to do it if she has to. Oh, she draws the little face, and you hear her. I forgot about that. You hear her little things like wow. uh, uh, the follow up of like how to draw cute little girls. Oh God! Don't oh, look at the computer. I had to look up how to draw cute. I had to look up cute little girls on the computer. It's gonna look really sketch. Was she the one who had the line, I can't believe we were saved by a nudie pic? No, that was Rasana. Okay. No, but no, I, I forgot about like when they're doing the Hime drill. She has to look like Hime and she's just here. You just hear her in the background. Yay. Woohoo. Oh. Yeah, so fun. I forgot about that actually. <laughs> so good at that. Now I. Now I remember what my favorite of her deadpan lines was. It was the scene where they're at the the job fair, drop your kids off and make them work for money thing, mm -hmm. and she has to cover as Hime's sister. She has to pretend to be, I'm her big sister. Uh, I'm 15, 15 years, years old. old. <laughs> I forgot. Actually, I didn't forget that. I'm 15 years old. <laughs> also... Props to Kakiru for basically creating his own, like, fantasy waifu as his fake wife. <laughs> I want my oh, wife yeah. to be a stewardess. Why? Shut, Shut up. up. Go with it. We're doing this for a teammate. Uh. Oh, I almost forgot. Uh, we also get, uh, from Kevin, we also get the, um... I can hold my breath for three minutes Oh, now. I love that! In that, like, there's a genuinely really good lesson where it's like... If if you're reading, if you can't finish reading the pl the page before the end of your breath, you have lost your reader. And the lesson instead is that he decides to train his his lung capacity and is like, I can now <laughs> hold my breath for three minutes. It's like you got the wrong lesson, my dude. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's funny because, like, that's the joke. But you're right, that's legitimately good advice. I'd never thought to restrict your manga page uh, exposition to how long it takes to take a breath. That's really interesting. It's the kind of thing where it's like, you need, like, you you need new readers. You need them to have attention spans. And, like, because a lot of people have ADHD. I speak as somebody who has ADHD, and I have a short attention span sometimes. So it's like... So, like, reading Shonen Jump week to week, there are some manga where it's just like, okay, I basically could read this in two minutes. Like, uh, Mashal. I read Mashal weekly. It's like, those are really short, quick chapters that you could get through really easily. But like you were also saying, it's not just people who have short attention spans. It's that you're competing with so many other pieces of media for attention. You are competing you know, with everything else in the magazine. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard like comics people talk about. It's like, yeah, if you don't have them by page three, you've lost them. Like they're yeah. not. They're they're gonna put you down and pick up something else. Like that is the di that is the difference between what a good debut and a bad debut is. Is you can put all this thought in world building. But if you're not going to get to the fucking point, then, like, you've already lost your interesting world if nobody's going to read it. You have to kill the tomato mm -hmm. demon on page four, or else no one's going to care. Mm. You, you have to start that novel with, it was a dark and stormy night, suddenly a shot rang out. <laughs> mm -hmm. The point is, these, these are good assistants, and like we said, they cover the gambit of not only being funny, but also different kinds of funny as well. You could tell they're also, they really do like Goto, and they do enjoy working with him, but by God, is he a fucking handful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, my, uh, since I, my favorite bit with Chris was, um, was it, I can't believe you guys had a, had a bathrobe party without me! Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> which, the, the which, whole, that's a whole, the whole, the that's whole, a the whole, whole bathroom party bit is really good, the whole bathroom party <laughs> bit is really good regardless, but. It's such a good scene and idea. Like, that entire episode's one of my favorites, where it's just like, oh, I always wanted to get my own room, I always wanted to lock him up. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know what, let's talk about that guy, as well as the one assistant who got her debut and made it big. We're going to be talking about uh, Rasuna Sumita, as well as Satsuki Tomaruin. Ruin indeed. We are going to be talking about the prodigy who made her debut, as well as the editor from hell. Holy shit, Satsuki. I am sure was not a compilation of any real life editors whatsoever. Uh, oh my god, he must have been. He like even if even if this even if the author did not know Asatsuki, there are stories from his real life that were put into Satsuki, and you can tell. Yeah, like there is just a level of like oh. Like, it's taken to the absurd comedic degree, but you can tell, like, there's just, like, some of these things are things he's had conversations with, and it is just, like, pissed him off. <laughs> so who voices these fine and not-so-fine characters? Alright, I'm glad you asked. Uh, playing uh, Rasuna is the lovely Tia Ballard, who has played such characters as Kasumi from Bofuri, Zero Two from Darling in the Frank, Yu Koito from Bloom Into You, Itsuki Nakano from The Quintuplets, and Ragdoll in My Hero Academia. Uh, playing the role of Satsuki is Aaron Dismuke, who has played such characters as Hanae Ashia in The Morose Monokian, Hayashi in Recovery of an MMO Junkie, Kakeru Matabe from Fruits Basket, Leonardo Watch from Blood Blockade Battlefront, and Senku Ishigami from Dr. Stone. Now, watching Aaron Dismuke voice Satsuki, I just gotta say, it's totally fitting if you've seen, like, um, the thing that reminded me of was, uh, the outtakes from the old, the anime Fuka, because, my god, Aaron can be a little, I, I wanna say the nicer words here, but, like, this kind of feels like it fits very, very well with his acting. Not, not as a person, just, like, he get really, really deep into this character. Like, it's basically, okay, Aaron... You are going to play an actual gremlin slash you are going to be that co-worker. The exact co-worker that you have had who is like not exactly mean to your face but has a level of passive aggressive incompetence that drives you up a wall. You know that exact co-worker you've wanted to strangle? You're going to be that guy. Aaron's like, got it. No, 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 no. The, they went up to him and it said, all right, Aaron... You're playing the evil inverse version of Senku. He has all of Senku's confidence and cockiness, but he is a dumb narcissist who does not know what he's doing and has risen to the top of his mediocrity. Wait, hang on. Let me actually look up something. Uh, he has, in the words of Kevin Smith, failed upwards, basically. Very, oh, or, or, yeah. Or, at, at bare minimum, he has taken a lot of credit for things that were not actually his doing. 
Okay, yes, no. This, yes, no, like, this is after Dr. Stone debuted. So, it, oh, that works, that works. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Stone was a 2018, I think. Uh, it, okay. 2019. Not, not important. What's important is that uh, the, Satsuki's, uh, it, his delivery is different from everybody else as well, because everybody else's speech and the way they talk is, like, very put together. They're pretty professional sounding. Aaron is the only character in the whole cast who kind of slurs is like it's yeah it's kind of a intentionally unprofessional slur delivery that fits very well because it's like this person should not be at the level that he's at right now and so aaron definitely gets that aspect of his personality really well there's just something about him that is just so baffling everything about him as a person is like not only is it baffling and frustrating but it's also like i I know you, or I know somebody like you, and you... Oh... Like, let's, like, well, I was talking about the fact that, like, he's, he added lol to every one of his genuine criticisms. Like, every every scene with him and Goto is basically, when's it gonna be when Goto finally snaps? <laughs> when are we gonna have one less character in the world? One less editor. And then it's just... So, like, I, I think the LOL is pretty bad, but, like, what would you say is, like, the next worst thing that oh, he Oh, you, you mean the time where he accidentally made him quit his series? Yeah! Because he wanted a free That's fucking even dinner? <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> That's somehow even worse. The, 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 the lol part is bad because it makes uh, Kakushi look like an insensitive asshole. That's probably worse in the sense that he almost undid his livelihood because he wanted free dinner. He yeah, undid his was, livelihood was, and the livelihoods of his assistants mm -hmm. and, like, almost yeah. fucked the magazine over because you would have had to put in a new serialization if it ended. Basically almost destroyed the entire chain of command I mean, the because I mean, he was the, cheap. The, the magazine could have found a new series that had too much trouble. I don't think they're in as much trouble as everyone else. It's true, <laughs> but he, it's he caused, like, an unnecessary amount of headache oh, absolutely. and, like, extra work. And the work... And not, not, the worst part is that because the whole team thinks that, well, we're getting canceled, we may as well make this the best couple chapters that we can. They were going Sa all out. Satsuki takes credit for it. He's like, I must be a better editor than I thought I was. Yeah, like, when, and when, asshole. And, when the, uh, and like when the, when the ratings start dropping down after the it's like, you know, ah, I can't, you know, I can't solve everything. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I think, I, I forgot what it was, it's like when he's finishing the meal or something, and he's just like, wow, I'm like a really good editor, maybe like the best editor of editors. It's like, oh my god, yeah, buddy, uh, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. Listeners at home, I don't, I, in case we have not made it clear, Aaron is beautiful here. Oh, he's, he's perfect! <laughs> he is, I, I... I didn't get it at first, because at first it just seemed like, well, this is typical editor artist shenanigans. They hate each other and want each other to die. That I've seen that a million times. I think it's <laughs> when he got to almost ca almost gets the series canceled for free dinner is when it's like, oh, he's a oh. monster. <laughs> I understand now. I th he is a monster. It's like, that's why I think, like, when the dramatic scenes were happening with him and Ratsuna talking, I don't believe his sincerity. 
Not because Eric's doing a bad job, but I don't believe that Satsuki cares this much. Well, in, fair in fairness, Eric is extremely good at delivering absolute insincerity. You know, that also is, that, fair. That, that is that is a that is a toad he can he can deliver with very extreme consistency. He's where I will give, that. where I will give actual credit to two to dramatic chops. There's one other. I I actually feel Rasuda does a really good job turning on Rasuda and Tia by extension does a really good do job delivering the drama slash exposition of what's going down and like what Kakashi's deal is. Actually, very convincingly. Which, I think re-watching this show again, I came to the revel uh, revelation. Rasuna is the most well-put-together of the assistants. She is the most confident. She is the most crafty. She is the most, like, logical. She, of course, was going to be the most successful one to debut out of this patch. Which is ironic, because she mentions uh, at that part where they think that they're about to be cancelled, you know, everyone's saying what they're going to go do. She mentions that she's going to go back to school and finish her degree, which implies that she had, you know, stopped or dropped out for whatever reason. So I feel like she's uh, she had matured quite a bit over the course of the series. I think the reality is that she just has, like, the most sense of a manga author. Mm -hmm. Like, she, she's even, like, kind of crafty in the fact that, like, nobody else understood about the the hundreds chapter coming up. Not even Satsuki, which, by the way, God, the, the whole punchline of, we're celebrating our 38th anniversary! It's like, <laughs> what's, what's the big deal about hundred chapters? That's dumb. And you can tell, like, Rasuda is like, oh, I, I did a little thing to actually celebrate it, because you didn't catch that. It's like, it's silly, but it's adorable. But she's also, like, the most logical. She's well, very level-headed. She knows how to handle Goto shenanigans. And also when she's in, like, they're actually in the hot spring. Which, by the way, I love that whole scene where it's like, Oh, come on, you get a peek? Like, we were prepared for you and everything. And he's just like, no thanks. It's like, yep, that's, <laughs> that is actually what their relationship is. Is they mess with him, he's like, nah. I, I do like how the show is, like, very self-conscious of the cliches that it, uh, you know, is, is expected to have. One of those being the, aren't you going to try to peek over into the girl's bath? It's like, okay, we know that there's a girl's bath. We know that you're expecting the characters to peek over. So we're going to call out why we're not going to do that. Yeah. I also just really like the fact that, like, she actually completely psychoanalyzes Goto's entire persona as a mangaka. Like, nails it to a T. Is like, oh, oh, it's like, she's really... Like, this is the thing I, I really appreciate from my rewatch, is that Rasuda is way smarter and, like, way more, like, well put together for this industry than you would think. That's probably, like, she is also the narrator for how this industry actually works when she's explaining things to the viewer. Oh, yeah. Which, actually, while I'm thinking about it, one of my favorite explanations for what Sasuke is as an editor is that an editor's job is to make sure that the artist, the author, doesn't draw what they want to draw. Because they explain <laughs> a whole phenomenon of when an author becomes a success, and they get an editor that's like, sure, you can do whatever you want. You're a huge hit. You can do whatever. I don't care. That's how you lead to a series becoming very bloated, unpopular, and canceling. I'm thinking about, like, 
remember when Ma- Kishimoto, the author of Naruto, made Samurai 8? Very briefly. For a year. But that is exactly what happened, is that somebody pretty much was like, Kishimoto, you made Naruto. It's a huge hit. Do whatever you want. And when you do whatever you want, with no real pushback, you're going to get something a little messy. I I would disagree with that, partially because I liked Samurai 8. And also because there are a lot of people online who are still mad about Naruto that I'm sure that didn't help. It's not like you're going to tell the Naruto guy, don't do what you want. But at the same time, if you want a good series, sometimes you need to tell the person who really wants what he wants, that's a bad idea. And sometimes that's the balancing act of, is this a good idea or a bad idea? And sometimes the author has bad ideas and the editor has good ideas. And sometimes the author has good ideas and the editor has terrible ideas. There's so many conversations and analysis of when was this the author's decision and when was this the editor's decision? Uh, who do you like more? Oh, of these two? Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, I mean, who do, you, who do you, in this, in this hypoth, look, if Stephen King puts something stupid in a novel, well, that's the editor's oh, fault. <laughs> and he puts something I like in the novel, well, that's Stephen <laughs> King's fault, because I like Stephen King and I don't give a shit about his editor. Okay, Same thing no. here. It's the kind of thing so, where it's like the editor is the thankless job, but also probably the one most at fault. Uh, well, I, yeah, it's I, the filtering I, process. It, it's, that, that, your, it, editors don't have fans, so you have to put up with a lot of bullshit. You have to put up with a lot of bullshit. Like you have to, it's a hard job, and you have to do what needs to be done. And sometimes you can be a really good constructive editor. The problem is this is Satsuki, and Satsuki is actually a fucking nightmare. Satsuki is not he, a good editor. Satsuki oh, would succeed in Silicon Valley. Yeah, I'm gonna I make the call here that he he had a rich upbringing. Like this is a man who has never known pain or suffering. Yeah, oh, like the fact that it's like, man, why don't I just submit the the rough draft? That's a great idea. And then the other guy up top is like, you fucking idiot. If, now he says that, but I gotta admit, as someone who's seen a lot of animation pencil tests. I have, re- I've like, can we get a movie that is just the pencil in, test? In, because some of these are really good. In, in defense of Satsuki's usual terrible decisions, there, there, there Not is a, a de- there, there is an entire comic book series that is just the dude's pencils, no inking, and it does look amazing. Okay. And I am pretty sure it's called Empowered. It's by Adam Warren. It's great. And also, I am pretty sure at least one series in Shonen Jump did publish. Just the rough draft for a couple of weeks because they didn't have time to polish it for the magazine. Yeah. So that has happened, although I think it was for, like, you know, like, it was like Naruto or One Piece or something, so it's not like it was a low profile. You know, it, it was something that people were going to read, anyways. But I'll say this Aaron does a good job sounding stupid, sounding, like, moronic, but also sounding, like, very, like, vitriolic, bitter bitch, too. It's great, but. No, he, I also he, adore, he is, like... He, he is so mad that he is the editor for this shitty little gag manga and not something important. Oh, I got <laughs> he stuck is so on angry. Goto duty. He, he is so... He, he, he wants to be at, like, whatever, like, the Full Metal Alchemist that's running at the magazine is now, and he's <laughs> never going to get there because even though he's good enough to be Goto's editor, he's not good enough to be put in the hands of somebody whose, like, actual ratings matter to the magazine. We can't give you to somebody who would actually bend to your will. Mm-hmm. That would be terrible. Oh. 
But also, I, I love Tia as Rasuda, because she's very sweet, she's very fun, but like I said, she's very, like, she's actually very, like, sincere, serious, and also, like, pretty funny. But I also love her narration about talking about the industry a little. It's like, we're talking about, like, when authors stress out or something, where it's like, they do anything, they bake a complicated meal, they clean a house or something, but they don't like to play <laughs> video games because that makes them feel too guilty. And I love her, I, I love her, like, delivery on that. That was a good, it's not only is it funny, it's relatable. Oh, God, is it? Yeah, no, there's, it's like, how many times, how many times have we wanted a break, but have chosen not to do the leisure thing because we'd feel too guilty having fun. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I, I, I appreciate that they, they. I think she does a good job of playing this character who I feel like could have easily been kind of like. I mean, uh, you know, Satsuki's the dim-witted comic relief, but they could have made her the the, the dim-witted comic relief. And it's like, no, no, she's the competent one. She's the one. Who's she's actually, the. She's the one who's going to go one. places. That's that's what I like about her, and I appreciated my rewatch of this is that no, Rasuda is like. The put together one. She's the one that actually has promise and a career, and I appreciate that that surprise. I'm like, you know what? Good for you, Rasta. Like at the end of the show, where it's like they're all working and like Goto's trying to pitch a new series to him, and she's just like, "Uh, you guys do know you're in my studio my now, studio. right?" <laughs> I'm like, good for you, sweetie. Good for you. Now I have the theory about why that's actually surprising because. You know, in watching this whole thing, any one of the four main assistants could have been the, you know, the put-together one. I think the reason why it was supposed to be a surprise is, one, they gave her Tia's voice, which is the higher pitch, and therefore you would expect to be the, for lack of a better word, the ditzier one the, of the, the group. The dimwit one. Yeah, you would expect that. And also, she's animated with the most fan service shots. Like, we get her in the shower scene and the hotel, we just... Get her in a uh, swimsuit. She's the hot she one. Bought specific. She in episode two. It's like we get her in a bikini when they're not even at the beach. She's like, look, I bought this sexy thing. I'm gonna wear it. Exactly. So yeah, we were ex we were conditioned not to think of her as the competent one. So when when she proved herself over and over again and like didn't give Satsuki the the raws and only gave him the copies instead because oh i love that i'm like oh you know how to do things yeah exactly you, she it's knows like, how to right, play that... the game and thank god for that because otherwise those last couple chapters would have been lost oh god that... oh god i didn't even think of that but no i love tia and Aaron a lot as this i think they are actually really like really strong performances Aaron in particular but i actually really i really like rasta and satsuki is so real it's terrifying i'm just glad that Aaron sounded like he was having fun because he he got to be the the more laid back one but he got his serious moments too, which were instant, instantly undercut because it's a, I appreciate you very much. And then it's like, and then there's like a gag where it's like, no, actually not. No, I'm just, I'm not being serious at all. <laughs> that, that scene in where uh, the whole crew is trying to have a kinder world. And he walks in and he's like on the phone and he's talking and like, don't these people know how grateful they should be to be published in a magazine? Oh, hi guys. <laughs> Also, I how many times does he put Hime's life in danger because he's an idiot or horny? She was at a different party, and you brought her to the wrong party! 
He really wanted to fuck Nadila. And we, we have no confirmation about whether he did or not. I hope he didn't. I, I no. No. <laughs> no. I feel like if there's anybody who doesn't deserve any of that, it's Sasuke. So, Sasuke, you, you brought out Sasuke seems like he was raised rich. He feels like he was raised rich, but he had he either no, either his family does not have that wealth anymore, or he has no access to it, and that's why he's a mid level editor at a manga. The magazine. only thing that de- the yeah. only thing that deserves to fuck Sasuke is life. And with that, I think we can move on to our main manga author and his precious little girl. I am talking, of course, about the Goto family, which is uh, Kakushi Goto and Hime Goto. This, These two are the heart and soul of this show. I feel like if these characters don't work and aren't believable or funny, the show doesn't work. And I think they help glue together what makes the show work. And their relationship is genuinely sweet, adorable, and precious. And I would like to talk about the actors who play them. Starting us off, uh, Kakushi Goto. The Kakushi Goto who Kakushis his Goto. Uh, he is played... Don't you mean Kazushi Goto? Oh, right. Yeah, he changed his name on all of his cards. <laughs> what? what a fucking weird thing to... My God, this dude... <laughs> this dude's mental. Well, I mean, if you're gonna go for a pen name, though, wouldn't you make it a little more distinct than one letter off from your birth name? Well, he's trying to fool a ten-year-old. He fools her pretty good, which is the most amazing thing, is that he genuinely fools her. Yeah, that's, that's surprising. They, they even addressed that at the, in the very last episode. Like, didn't you suspect anything? And she's like, not really. Little blissful ignorance. Anyways, yeah. uh, playing the role of Kakushi Goto is one Howard Wang, who has played such characters as Chikapasi in Golden Kamoi. Shihai Kuroryo, Shihai Kuroryo in My Hero Academia, Uta Ota in Actors Song Connection, Tatsuya Himuro in Kuroko's Bas- Basketball, and Langa Hashigawa in Skate the Infinity. And playing the role of Hime is Morgan Lorray, who has played such characters as Akira Mato in Tokyo Ghoul, Dia Kurosawa in Love Live Sunshine, Elena Aoki in Gleepnir, Saki Sato in Interviews with Monster Girls, and Yuko Aoi in Nichijou, My Ordinary Life. All right, who... Of course you were going to end things off with a freaking Nichijou reference. Of course I fucking was. Do you not know me at this point, motherfucker? Since you you want to start us off? Were Go we ahead. Were we all on that episode? We were. Oh, God, yeah, we yes. were. God, that was so long ago. I, I lived in a different house when that happened. <laughs> I also lived in a different house when that happened. I, uh, wait. No, no well, you got, you got, gotta, you gotta, gotta get that new house, huh? I'm saving up for You it. had a different job when that happened. How's there that? There you go. All right, different employment back when that happened. Uh, just like this guy, uh, Kakushi, uh, also job, well, not, not a job change. Uh, it's hard to, like, uh, look at this and not think of it as a self-insert for the mangaka for Koji Kumeta. Because uh, just, you know, he's also a mangaka. His drawing style is very similar. 
Uh, and he also makes a note that he's had five completed manga series by this point, which is also the same for Koji. Uh, some of them were very short, but he finished them. <laughs> yeah, he did. So, uh, like you were saying, the heart and soul of this show really is the father-daughter relationship here. Or at least uh, the parts that I think people are going to remember are. Because a good chunk of the show really is the slapstick, the commentary on the manga industry. And I'd say about 25% is the heartwarming domestic uh, being a parent and raising an absolutely precious daughter throughout the whole show. I remember when before you started the show, your thought was... Alright, how much of this is going to be 57th Prime Minister Shinzo Abe's propaganda pr to appropriate? <laughs> it's hard not to think that. Like, any of these shows where it's always, you know, a single dad who's kind of on the nerdy side, raising a daughter and being absolutely in love with doing it, it's hard not to think, C come on, you otaku, just get out of your parents' basements, go out there, find a sweetheart, in increase the population a little bit, we could really use it right now. With what income and health insurance? Well, I mean, that's that's beside the point there. The point is, is that love will save the day. It's about it's about getting what they want, Andrew, not providing solutions so they can get what they want. Ah, as it always is, a tale as old as time. All right. I, I, I imagine j the Prime Minister's office is just, um, increase population, question mark, question mark, retire. I'm sure those Olympics are going great. Oh, oh, oh let's not even go there. Uh, <laughs> I just want to focus on Howard's performance because, uh, like I said, the heartwarming father parts are the parts that I'm going to remember from this mostly. But Howard has to have a really adorable dad voice as well, and he really does that really well. It feels like his more neutral voice is when he's at home with Hime, talking with her about, like, hey, I got you your favorite strawberry candy, or... Um, I see that you're looking at the number of brushstrokes in my name, and it's like, it's very sweet uh, stuff. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree that I'm pretty sure his very, like, casual, like, sweetheart dad voice is a lot closer to what I associate with Howard's more normal, natural vocal range. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's easy for, uh, someone to have that, uh dip into the monotone like to, to be too casual but he doesn't he keeps a a vernier professionalism primarily because uh kakushi's cover is that he's a salary man so when he's around hime he tries to keep that professional veneer contrasted with his at work manga personality which is oh my gosh all over the place in terms of comedic it can be deadpan it can be uh over the top funny it can be I'm going to die, I'm in despair level, it's just all over the place, and... I'm losing my mind, I'm going to die, I want to die, I'm going to tear up everybody in this entire room, I'm going to lose myself. It's, it is every level of, like, human joy, anguish, and suffering. And it is comedy gold because because i feel like it's comedy gold because we don't dislike kakushi at all he's not satoshi he is the kind of guy i'm sorry he's not satsuki he is like we are supposed to relate to him even if you're not a dad even if you're not a manga author which i'm assuming most people listening to this aren't 
you can still relate to he's trying his hardest you know he's doing the best he can and god bless him he's actually getting paid to do something that he enjoys doing he really does love being a manga author but he also truly loves Hime. but he, how much he loves his work is also tied to the fact that like he is genuinely embarrassed to think that like his daughter is going to grow up knowing Oh, that's the guy who writes Balls of Fury or Tights in the Wind. It's like, oh. He's like, I don't want to do that to my precious baby girl. I don't want her to know about the dick jokes I have drawn. Which, which is really funny when you, if you spend any time thinking about it, because, my man, your daughter is ten. She will find the dick jokes funny. She would probably be really excited to find out that you draw the funny manga in the, in the magazine. <laughs> Like, like she, like, she, like as, you're not gonna let her read it, but you can tell she's just like, my daddy likes ma- draws manga. He's the best. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, like, there's, the, there's the fear of her getting older and finding him gross and weird. But like, that's also, it's a teenage thing, anyways. Which, you know what? I love that the show ends. I love that the punchline of how the show ends is, I have a secret. I also draw manga. I'm like, okay, you know what? You know what? Sure. I I, I was I was wondering if there was going to be a really silly twist. Uh, yeah, I was they, gonna... the show starts, and it's like, all right, the parts of this in the future, and something bad has happened. I was really worried <laughs> yeah, was it was really... going to be something like the punchline was going to be whatever bad happened was actually really stupid and asinine because I felt like that would kind of spoil it. And I was really happy. I was really happy that the twist at the end ended up just being like, "No, your your daughter turned into mangaka too." <laughs> Completely independent of your own influence, like she just decides she wanted to do that by herself, which is hilarious. That's that's so funny. That's genuinely yeah, I mean, hilarious. It, and it's heartwarming because it it justifies uh, his um, uh, turns, but it also says like, "No, it's okay because she's she's got the same insecurities as well." Don't you feel good about, you know, that y- you did a good job raising her? Mm-hmm. So... I, I do like... I just want to point... The last thing on Howard is that uh, in a balance between both the comedic and the serious parts is he's having father-in-law issues. You know, his... Uh, Hime's maternal grandfather is consistently trying to help out uh, and is always belittle- belittling Kakushi any chance he gets. So that bit where he asks Kakushi, how would you feel if Hime brought home a guy who writes a, sh- a manga called Balls of Fury? And Kakushi's response is rightfully, I would be absolutely devastated. And instantly realizes, I'm no good for my own daughter. I I think the amazing thing about Howard Wang as Kakushi Goto is that he captures the warmth, he captures the struggle, he captures the insecurity, the drama, and the fear, while also being one of the funniest, most insane, incredible performances I heard all last year. It genuinely took home my best, like, comedic lead in a dubby, and I pushed, really wanted to make sure Howard Wang got on that fan vote because he is that fucking good. This is honestly, like... I knew of Howard Wang as an actor before the show. I've heard him in other stuff before. This is the one where I'm like, not only is Howard Wang good, Howard Wang is really good. This, this has to be, this guy needs a future. And I'm really happy that this year in particular is the year I'm seeing Howard Wang pop off in particular. I'm really, really happy about that. 
But let me just say, I called it with the dirty manga author. You called it. I'll go ahead and give you credit. Fine. I, I don't give you credit very often, Andrew, but I'll give you credit here. I'll Thanks for inspire for ed advising. Yeah, advising us to uh, check out the show. Mm -hmm. mm. I, I also should probably talk about Morgan as Hime, which I gotta say, when I first heard about this casting, I thought this was an odd choice. Really? Yes, because pretty much up until like recently, I associated Morgan with. Deeper voices, older women, and, like, sexy, sultry characters. Not until, like... That's fair. Not until Nichijo, really, did I ever really know her as, like, she could be a goofy, comedic weirdo. And even then, Hime's not even really that goofy. Oh, no. She's kind of a little awkward, meek girl. She's... But it's also a very high pitch. A much higher pitch than I think Morgan usually yeah, I think there's gives. there's a reason for that. Um, if you've been around kids at all, they, ha they don't have a lot of lung capacity. So they speak from the throat most of the time. You know, I'm surrounded by three kids all day, so I caught catch this. Is that they speak all of it, all the vibrations in the throat. It's not deep breath and, like, speak from the diaphragm like a professional singer would. So I... I believe uh, the way that Morgan achieved that higher-pitched uh, and kind of hushed demeanor was by trying to speak through the throat when she was in 10-year-old uh, uh, mode. Which, I think for the most part, at, like, it's a little strained at the start, but I think she really, really grows into it and makes it work very well, that it really does kind of grow on me. Though there's a couple of times where it's like you can hear her kind of crack a little. Oh, yeah. Like, you can tell she's having a little bit of a strain. I think one of my favorites is, like, when she's, like, really exact... She's really, like, shocked when it's, like, you're gonna throw two birthday parties for me? And I just hear her in this really kind of, like, raspy voice when she's trying to exclaim, What about the fried <laughs> chicken? And I'm like, that, that, that sounds... That, A, that is hilarious. But also, it sounds like she's definitely pushing herself a little yeah. more than she's comfortable Yeah, and, and those those kind of scenes don't pop up very often because Hime's uh, delivery is mostly in that, that normal register, that, that hushed 10-year-old girl uh, register. So it is noticeable when there's those bits where, like, the fried chicken! It's very noticeably pushing her voice. I thought Morgan gave a really good performance. And I think, like, how do we put this... Her, her, the show requires her to say daddy a lot. And that word has gained a lot of baggage in the la I feel like in the last few years, um, especially online, that is not really... Oh yeah, years. it has. And it is a credit to, it is a credit to Morgan's acting that at no point did I ever end up stickering. Or, or going her, her, or anything like that. She did a very good job of making this sound like, no, this is a, this is just a small child referring to, to her father. Okay. And she did a. I thought she did a fantastic job of being That's able to the maintain back of the box that. Now. The one show that doesn't make daddy sound dirty. <laughs> Kakashi Goto didn't make daddy weird. Kakashi Goto, surprisingly <laughs> wholesome. Shockingly wholesome, despite the fact that this man draws dirty manga for a living. I mean, I'm, look, I like Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei, but if you ask me, what's that about? It's like, it's suicide jokes. <laughs> lots and lots of suicide jokes. Yeah, and other deeply uncomfortable things. So it is, a, it is a, 
Yeah, it, it is a little funny that, like, the other thing I've now seen by him is, like... Like, that, that, that guy still made this, you can tell, but, like, it's like, no, no, the wholesome bits are going to be actually wholesome. It's genuinely wholesome and genuinely funny. With also a bit of a twist, which I'm told is also a staple yeah. of this author. Yeah, he, he's a sure. fan of, of um, subverting expectations. So... Uh, watching the show for the first time, it's like, okay, what's the deal? What's happening? What's going on? What's the reveal? And knowing the reveal, there's a phrase I remember learning as a kid. I think uh -huh. it was uh, related to math, actually. Uh -huh. it, it's an acronym that's called KISS. Oh, keep it simple, stupid? Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Where sometimes I feel like, where, yes, sometimes picking the road less expected is fun and exciting and can lead to some interesting moments. But I feel like overcomplicating it can also yeah. lead to its own share of troubles. I feel the, the, the reveals in the last episode are almost too complicated. Does it, does it feel like it's multiple episodes worth of content squeezed into a final 22 minutes oh i i i assumed given i mean the manga is like i think like 12 volumes i assume part of it is like they understand they, were ending. they, they understand the like the gag manga stuff is the bread and butter of the show they want to have that dramatic arc but i feel like it's also like this is not i what think people are honestly you know what i think they do recognize that they kind of crammed it in a because the anime and manga mm -hmm. ended around yep. the same time as each other, so oh, they kind of yeah, matched there, it. There you, there you go. Okay, yep, all right, yep. As That's well as the fact that they are releasing a new, like, movie in the coming months, which is, like, a compilation, a compilation movie. which is of the episodes, yeah. And it's going to feature new different scenes that they didn't weren't able to fit into the anime. Okay, yep, oh, this, this, okay, yeah. Which is interesting. Does that all check out? That, that I, 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 it, uh, it, the, given what the kind of show it is, there being a bunch of sudden dramatic revelations last episode didn't seem too off because that almost felt like a little bit of a gag in of itself. Um, also, it explains why the hell uh, uh, Kakushi, Kakushi has so many hang-ups because, like, oh my god, you have so much baggage, my poor man. I'm sorry, <laughs> you're you're the product of an affair and your father hates you because he thinks you make low-life garbage? Oof. Well, one of those Oh, Jesus Christ. Than... I mean, I would have fully believed just the uh, the inferiority complex, and it also explains the uh, the what's called imposter syndrome when oh yeah oh the autographs Kakashi Goto is the poster boy of imposter syndrome so much so it it hurts to watch like that's really the part where it felt like this is getting a little too close to home because I don't know very many anime that or any media really that cop to the people who don't feel they're good enough for the position that they're in. Uh, truth. I'll, the one thing I'll say is this. I think the reason for him being in debt is because his wife was lost at sea and he was hiring an investigator to look for her for like a decade and a half. Mm -hmm. I mean, was I, a little too far-fetched. I, I, I think of it this way. He's saying it's looking for her. He just wants to find a body so there's closure. He needs to know. Yeah, he can't okay. just have he can't just have a piece of paper that says this is her death certificate. He needs to right. Know. I mean, they could have. That's. 
I mean, I don't know if it was really necessary, because, like, it, it's the explanation for why he had no savings left, but I'm like, does, was that really necessary? Like, it could have been any sort of things. Like, it could have been, like, shit, it could have been, like, her mom was in a coma or something like that, which would have I, made it more cruel when he was in a coma. No, they, I, I feel like, I feel like, part, I think it was more they want, I think he wanted to have the line of, like, it's more permanent than she's in a coma. And that's why the relationship with the dad's never going to get better. Well, right. That, and right. they need they needed yeah. a reason for him to you know work a job that was you know l lower that, paying because he just needed the money and and to leave. Like I, I believe like when you when your personal life gets too out there, you would leave your job like that. I buy. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I I at least appreciate the dark comedy of why he's in a coma. I <laughs> I admit I laughed at that a little okay. bit. I gotta be honest, my favorite part was like, yeah, someone yanked a copy off of the platter. Uh, did he do it? Absolutely not. He would never do that. He respects manga too much to read an issue early. <laughs> I appreciate the fact it's like, oh, it must have been Jump. If it was one of the other magazines, there wouldn't be nearly that many volumes. It's like, is that what you pay attention to, Tatsuki? Hakushi says, don't post spoilers online, people. Don't post... No, you know what? That should be the propaganda you take away from this. Not... Procreate and have more child. Don't post don't post spoilers online because somebody's stealing that from a warehouse and killing your favorite authors literally. Yeah, you it's you pair this with any of those times the poor woman who does gangster writes an English tweet that's like, please don't pirate my work. Oh, Kosuke, bless her heart. Like, so okay, okay, okay. It's just because there's no real place to mention this. Watching Kakushi Goto in a post Miura passing world is fucking yeah, something else. Mm -hmm. And we'll be uh, we'll be upfront about that. We won't sugarcoat it. Yeah, there, there's, it, there, there's a lot of jokes here that they still ring there are jokes that ring funny and there are jokes that ring true. And there's a lot of jokes in here that still ring funny and are written to ring as funny, but they ring much more as true right now. They, they ring a lot, much more as true, but the one that really made me feel uncomfortable is, like, when they're talking about, like, a series that doesn't end. It's like, if your saga series doesn't end, it's basically garbage, and I'm like, oh. I think that was the point where we posted the, uh, like, uh, pulling on the neck collar, like, picture in the chat. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the Simpsons, like, neck collar thing. It's like, ooh. Ooh, I know time and place. Now, obviously, like, this what, now, what, obviously this was what? published back in 2020. So, though before this, no knowledge of of uh, any deaths in the industry of this particular death in the industry. It, but even then, it was a lot more common a thing of this level of unhealthy like industry stuff. And it, I mean, it's yeah. What I mean, what what's worse, the joke or the fact that Twitter repeatedly peats that a lot of people believe that. The fact that Miura died and there are people still getting mad at, like, the fucking uh, Jujutsu Kaisen mangaka taking, like, a month break. It's like, how fucking dare you? Oh, Have I, you I'm learned thinking, nothing? I'm thinking any discourse that ever comes up when people talk about Hunter Hunter being That is hiatus. the first one that comes to mind. At this point, I, I went from being, like, kind of agreeing to being like, no, Hunter Hunter can never return and I will be fine. People's lives are more important Do not than let the... Please! Yeah. Please support your manga authors. Please take care of them. Please let them have breaks. Please let them have lives. Please let them be free it to be themselves. Because I don't want these people who make the things I love, cherish, and value the most to fucking die at 
45. It, it, Rumiko Takahashi talked about her work schedule recently, and it is completely absurd that a woman as famous and successful as her still feels the need to work herself to the bone. This is an like, ingrained she should not cultural have to thing. Do that she's Rumiko Takahashi. It, it is systemic like, of the culture, and it is not, and it's being encouraged by it's a ruthless publishing industry that is absolutely taking advantage of them. And we, as the the only way to mm. vote is with your wallet. So absolutely support the media creators in whatever way you can without pestering them for new content consistently. This is why I've been championing, like, Jump Plus in particular, because, A, it's digital, so there's not as much stress. It's bi-weekly instead of weekly, and it's like, if somebody wants to take a break or something that week, they just post, like, a two-page spread, and then they're like, I'll be back in, like, egg a week or so. Yeah. I saw, Spy I saw Spy Family was gonna be off for, like, a month or something. I immediately was like, good. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that the, the guy at Jump, the editor at Jump Plus who edits, like, Spike's Family and Chainsaw Man is also, like, one of the few Jump editors I know who also has, like, a Twitter, or, like, seems to talk to the public in any capacity. Like, he, he feels like he's maybe cut from a slightly different stock than some of his older co-workers, and I think it's stuff like that might, might suggest that mm -hmm. he is. I love the manga industry, but by God, we need to not, like, work these people to fucking death. I, I love manga. I have issues with the manga industry. Same with the animation by industry. God. This goes for freelancers, oh, contractors, okay. full-time people, all oh, of them. Oh, we are we are going hard. All I'm going to say is I'm agreeing. Please, we love the people who make our entertainment, our manga, our anime. Please do not work them to the bone. Do not make them hit... Don't make them just hit burnout. Don't make them kill themselves for my entertainment. I My entertainment can wait. Your life cannot. Very I'm good. tired of all the artists I like dying young. Exactly. And let, let them know that you appreciate their work. Give them positive comments to drown out the negative ones when you can. <laughs> Okay, sorry, just to run this back, I'm just thinking about, like, the ten promises you make a manga author. Please, manga. Just to, just to bring this back a little, please send Please send now. letters. They get anxious that they might cry. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Anyways, legit, Howard Wang, Morgan Luray, they are charming, they are funny, they are heartfelt, and they are performed spectacularly. Morgan is really good, Howard is perfection, and the best performance in this show. Final yeah, I mean, thoughts. Uh, this is final. The thoughts. final thought is that this is a this is a very dichotomous show because you're you're gonna remember the funny parts and you're gonna remember the the heartwarming parts and you're gonna remember the Charlotte style ending at the very end. Now whether or not that I can't believe you called it a Charlotte style it is, ending. It's a we gotta wrap this up. Let's throw everything at the wall and wrap it all up. And they even call it cliche in the show itself, because it kind of is. He got amnesia! What a twist! M. Night Shyamalan, my ass! Oh my god. Anyways, continue. <laughs> but um, but I, I will say that the uh, the parts uh, are greater than the whole, because I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, coming back to the show, like, episode on episode. I don't normally, like, get into a show where I really want to watch the next episode, uh, but this one I did. It's like after each episode, I was like, I kind of I want more of this flavor. I want more of the style of the dub and how they translate the comedy into 
colloquialisms for English speakers and the funny performances from the direction. All of that works really well. And I wanted to hear more of that ending theme song. I, I just really enjoyed the overall experience of this. So, although I, d I do think that, like I said, the parts are greater than the sum of its whole, I do really recommend it, and it did help scratch that uh, dads working hard for their daughters itch, because you know, being a dad yourself, you like seeing that every once in a while. Oh, this show's delightful. Um, I, 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 I like, I, I like Sayonara Zetsuba Sensei. It's really bleak in a way that appeals to my sense of humor. And, like, a, like a, you know, it's, it's a show that's, like, it laughs at the things that are upsetting in life. The show doesn't go quite that far, but I feel like it does still have that edge to it. And it is, there's something interesting about seeing that sitting alongside a, so much that's, like, so sincere and heartwarming and have those sit together comfortably. Um, like, that's the thing I thought I was most impressed by, like, the, the, you know, the way, you know, the, the satire of the manga industry stuff and the, you know, single father and a child just trying to make it way, make their way through life stuff never felt like they were from different shows. It, they blended together. Uh, and I thought the dub, I thought the dub captured that as well. I think this, this is really funny. It's really well written. Everyone is really cast. It's just, it's a nice show. It's a nice show in a way I wasn't expecting, given the pedigree it had, and even <laughs> because you read the, you read the description, you feel like it's probably going to be like maybe like you know raunchier or like even sillier somehow. And I appreciate the direction it ended up going in. It gave you the warm fuzzies. Yeah, they there. It's 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 the scene where she's in the in you know the, this house looks just like our old house, and she opens up the <sighs> yeah. closet, and there's like more of the boxes, and the case of like, hey, if something happens to me. Uh, you know, you'll be okay. I, I, like, I, do, damn, I feel dude. compelled to yeah. do that now. You know, just like, okay, I should start putting stuff together for when the kids are this age, this age, and then by the time I'm done, there won't be room for anything else in the house. Yeah. At, at least get, like, pre... At least get up till they get to college age. No, that's what a, a college savings plan is for, Andrew. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Start investing your money Anyways. Wisely, people. No. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, no, I really like the show a lot. It's really funny, really charming, really sweet. I really think this dub is particularly interesting. Not only because it's ambitious, because it's a good m amount of, like, veterans, as well as, at the time, relatively newcomers. And some really ambitious performances working the gambit like Howard Wang in particular is like the standout and just sold me on him completely as an actor the direction and comedic timing is really solid and the ambitious work that like Kristen put into adapting this script that was very dense and full of like extreme Japanese wordplay puns and references that nobody not even like the most weeaboo people would even get <laughs> Like, it, it was an impressive undertaking, and the fact that this dub is as funny and comprehensible as it is is a real testament to the people in this dub, as well as Shade and Kristen's work on it. It was commendable, and I really, really enjoyed it. Yes. And with that, it is time to put our pens down, because we have made our deadline! Alright! Same time again! Yay! Next week, okay, oh shit, we're gonna have to do revisions now. Oh god, we're not gonna have time to sleep. Anyways, 
Let's do this quick because the the grind never ends. Oh, Can't we fun. just like like cram and do like a month's worth of work now so we can have until December off? You know what? There's an idea. Let's let's. Ugh, nah, I can't even make a joke about that. Don't work yourself to the bone or till you hit burnout. We're gonna do things at the pace we decide to do them, and you'll like it either way. Thank you for tuning in, because we love you. Because we are the Dub Talk Podcast. If you're listening to us, you're probably either on our YouTube at Dub Talk. If you'd like to find where else we are, you can find us over on Twitter at the Dub Talk Podcast, as well as twitch.tv slash Dub Talk Podcast. We've gotten a lot more regularly into doing streams. Steph, Megan, and our buddy Amon here have started doing a little more regular gameplay streams. We're starting to try it out, get a little bigger. Maybe get some more people to tune in and watch us play video games, shoot the shit. Maybe even talk anime and games for when we're shooting the shit. You never know. Uh, if you would like to listen to us, you could also listen to us on spotify and apple podcasts where we are there thanks to the lovely wonderful donations of our lovely patrons our lovely patreon anybody who supports us if you you could get early access you could get little sneak previews early access to audio forms of the episode and updates and the likes we'd like to give a shout out to our wonderful patrons who make this stuff happen we love you and appreciate you including these includes Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with Yowie Hands, Sue Tweet, and Victor Mayborda. Those are our lovely $5 patrons. And our real $10 patrons, Carly Lestikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2 aka Jarrett, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. We love and appreciate thank all of your you faces guys. and our thank you that you tune thank in you. as much as you did. Seriously, we love and appreciate y'all you. And if you'd like to follow me, I am over on Twitter at Mogman9000. Well, Andrew, a Andrew, if, if I'm a, a simple, impressionable person who would like to watch Kashuki Goto, where can I do that? You're right! Did you say Kasushi Goto? No, I, I said, uh, Ka... Ka uh, the, the show on the screen. Alright, sit, sit down, sit down, sit down. You're right! Where would you like to watch Kakushi Goto? If you would like to watch Kakushi Goto, the entire show, both sub and dub, is available on Funimation.com, where if you would like to check it out, you could go for a 14-day free trial. I don't remember what the current price is, but you gotta make sure you get 14 free days to try out Funimation services, where you can watch thousands of hours of subbed and dubbed content. Just make sure that if you... You're going to charge your credit card after 14 days, so you better make sure to cancel it if you really want that trial, or just stick with it, because it's a really good value at this point. There's a shit ton of anime, a lot of good stuff to watch. And if you'd like to read the manga of Kakushi Goto, because this is about a manga, uh, Kodansha only has digital releases, sadly. Uh, but you can purchase uh, the digital thing wherever digital manga platforms are sold. I think all 12 volumes are now available and translated. It's under the title Kakushi Goto, My Dad's Secret Ambition. Are you sure it's Kodansha? I, I, I could have sworn that it was Godansha who was publishing this. 
Well, see, the Fuck jo- off! The, jo- the joke there is that Go and Ko are written with the same character in Japanese. You just do or don't add like a little critical onto it to make it Ko. Oh God! Good. I didn't even. Oh, I didn't even mention the whole insane like manga party, which gave me like my greatest lot with the greatest line in the show. All manga artists are basically lollicons. <laughs> I'm like, wow, wow, just fucking not beating it. around the bush. No, he does not. Anyways, my name is. Classy Spartan. You can find me on Twitter at MangaMan9000. You can also find me on my other uh, podcast gig sur- where for Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, where we talk about the latest in anime news alongside fellow podcast co-host alumni, Jet. Noah, why don't you introduce the lovely people to yourself? Hello, everybody. My name is Noah Clue, and you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue, where if uh, you want more content involving... Uh, not a single father, but a married father raising children. Uh, I usually post pictures of my kids there and our other summer shenanigans because, woohoo, it is summer vacation now. Yeah! And also talk about cartoons or stuff. But nobody listening to this is uh, here for the cartoons, obviously. You know what they are here for? No one's here for my dusty old song segment. Let's be real here. <laughs> no, they are, though! Uh, I'm I here for it! So I'm sorry, I love... I, I... <laughs> Okay, uh, Andrew introduced oh. the whole group with, uh, you know, the intro song, and then we got to the e- ending song, and, well, you go ahead and explain why it's a great song, Amon. All right, uh, gen- well, gentlemen, I want to I ask you a question. Have you ever witnessed something in life that, uh, you know, you, you see it, it happens to you, you think about it, and you can really only interpret it as a sign from God trying to direct you in the right direction? Um, I literally found my... Uh... Fitbit that I thought was missing on my desk at work today. I pick it up. The first thing it says is run. And my immediate thought was I should start running at work a little bit to (laughs) work out. So, yes. All right. Well, I had an experience that when uh, we got to the ending theme at the first episode of this show. So there's this there's this genre of music I like called city pop city pop. Uh, I, I saw a description somewhere. City pop is the it, it is a genre popular in Japan, kind of in the mid to late seventies through the eighties. It is I saw someone describe it as like it is the it is the older sibling of J pop or at least eighties J pop. Um, it's smooth. It's sophisticated. It projects this sort of uh, you know urban nightlife feel. It's music. It is the sort of music that if uh, Miami Vice may included music that was not made in the English-speaking parts of the world, <laughs> it would absolutely have used city pop on some of those episodes. Like, it's that kind of cool, sophisticated 80s music. Uh, I'm a fan, um, because, as we know, I am, like, Yacht Rock, a la Steely Dan, Doobie Brothers, etc. And city pop very much fits the same place in Japanese popular culture during that time period that Yacht Rock did when it was a... No one really called it Yacht Rock at the time, but when that kind of music was popular in America, that's around the same time city pop was big in Japan. So, naturally, I ended up enjoying it. And the ending theme to this is a song called... Is by a man named uh, Ichi Otaki, rest in peace, uh, and it is called Kimiwa uh, Tenen Shoko, and it is from his 1981 classic A Long Vacation. Gentlemen, would you like to know? Would you like to hear some fun facts about A Long Vacation? Yes, please, please do. Well, one, it has an, been stuck in my head it has, for weeks. It is a beautiful album, including the cover, which is so good, so amazing that the artist who did it immediately like according to wikipedia it literally says his life was never the same he imme- <laughs> like he got famous doing this 
I saw that Ooh. illustration. I was at first I thought that's just a photograph, right? And it's not no. until you look a little closer and you're like, oh no, that's just very crisp, that's... clean, Clive Sprong style illustrations. Absolutely. Uh, here, let me let me give you some fun facts about this. Uh, a Long Vacation has received uh, anniversary releases for its 20th anniversary, its 30th anniversary, and just this year, its 40th anniversary. Uh, but in- not the 38th? No. <laughs> because Sony Japan is not that level of stupid. <laughs> uh, in 2007, Rolling Stone Japan named it the 7th greatest Japanese rock album of all time. Wow. Uh you can hear a wind arrangement of this song in an episode of Sound Euphonium. Really? As far as I can tell, like, a, a, compa- a point of comparison, from what I can tell, like, you're an American, you want to you wanna have the same, like, effect. Use, like, a single from Thriller. Wow. Use something like that. Like, if I could, like no, it's like, th- that's that level of recognition here. Like, this was a right. big fucking deal when it came out. So, like, the average person in Japan watching Kakushigoto for the first time and then gets to the ending would almost instantaneously recognize that song. Ab- like, certainly if you were over a certain age, and given that City Pop has had something <laughs> yeah. of a revival during the last decade, like, abs- like they picked this because people were going to fucking recognize this song from the first chords. Yeah. Like, and this one just this one just hit you. Well, I, I have been listening to a City Pop playlist at work a lot, and this song is on that particular playlist. So I was like, wait, I, I know I know this song. I I don't know songs from anime, usually. It are felt t- like a message. I couldn't ignore it. Are you telling me you You're like, know- oh no, I'm gonna like this show. Are you telling me you Pretty don't know much. all the endings to the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure anime? Right, right, yes, yeah, that's Western yeah, I- stuff. <laughs> You see, there's a difference between me knowing Roundabout, a song I've loved since I was 13, <laughs> and me hearing, like, a, a, a Japanese song. Because generally speaking, like, if I know those, because you're usually in anime already, that's that's one of my big weak, my big weak spots in my musical culture. Yeah, fair enough. Anyways, this song is great. Say you want more of it. Well, the viewer, listeners at home, I have suggestions. Number one, there is a wonderful boutique reissue label called A Light in the Attic, and they have put out not one, but two, two compilation albums, Pacific Breeze, Japanese City Pop, AOR, and Boogie, 1976 to 1986. Uh, they are wonderful. If you want a particular song to help convince you, uh, on the first one, there is a song by uh, Harumi Hosano, who, fun fact, used to be in the same band as uh, Otaki, uh, Happy End, back in the 70s, and he has a song on there called Sportsman. Listen to it. It will never leave your head. It will be there forever, Ooh. and you will be so happy. So, so very, very happy. Um, so where can the people find you? Hold, I'm not done. <laughs> oh god, there's now, more. Oh boy. No, now, 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 now we're into the. Now they're into Jared plugs things he likes. So we're never gonna get another chance to talk about this. How did I learn about City Pop? Well, that's very simple. There's a game that came out last year. It's called Paradise Killer. Andrew, you know why you should play Paradise Killer? Why? Because I would describe it as Rampa, except instead of playing a teenager stuck in a high school or whatever, you play a member of an immoral race of chaos-worshipping uh, lunatics. You're an exiled version who has been brought back from exile to solve murder on an island before it gets obliterated into non-existence. And it's all set to nice city pop style instrumentals. And one of those, uh, it's by a man named Barry Toppin, he goes by Epoch. 
And uh, if you get the soundtrack for it, which I highly recommend because it's very good, it starts off with a extremely good J-pop, a city pop pastiche called Paradise Parentheses Stay Forever. And I recommend you listen to that too because it will also never leave your brain. Uh, if you want more of this, if, if this is at all fun for you, uh, you can find yes, me on... Yes, please give me more of this. You can find me on Twitter at US, uh, where I do this, uh, because I have... Uh, terrible hobbies that no one else really shares, uh, and it's a little sad. But you know. Amon, I, I'm disappointed, Amon. I, I subscribe to you strictly for anime stuff. What's with all this Steely Dan nonsense all of a sudden? Uh, no, no, Steely no, Dan no. is better than anime, obviously. Let's put it like this. The brand of people who like anime on the internet is so wide and vast at this point. Let's we need more of the people who are just like, yo, let's talk about this city pop shit for five minutes. I'm ready. I love it. I love you. Thank you, Ahmad, for being on this with me. I mean, in, fair, Thank- in, fair, in fairness, the overlap between city pop and this is a lot bigger. Case in point, you get the CD version of the Paradise from Soundtrack, uh, Paradise Killer. It is done by the artist uh, who also does the logos for uh, the Anime Nostalgia podcast hosted by friend of the podcast, Don. So, it all there you go. It's all connected. Goal. What a good plug, my man. Anyways, Amon, Noah, thank you guys for joining me on this one. And with that, I think it's time that we put this manuscript to rest. It's time to put right. Hime to bed. Time to put Hime to bed. And then... Oh get... no, the manuscript went down a well! Oh no! Oh god, it's flying away! Oh god! Oh no! Oh wait, hang on. Oh, wait, no, we saved it on the internet. We saved Ooh. it on a computer like a normal person. We're good, we're good, okay. <laughs> Thank goodness. Why didn't you just email me the manuscripts? Uh, we're in Japan. You? They, if they, if you don't deliver in person, they demand you fax everything, and we don't have a phone line at the office. Good night, everybody, and what the fuck is a fax machine? I'm just gonna finish this off by saying... Rock on, rock on Chicago, rock over Boston.